Okay, uh, hurry back. 15 seconds. One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Three Mississippi. You can't be like that specific with a number and not expect me to count. <laughs> this is true, and it's also fair. If someone tells me a specific number, I am going to count, and I might be petty <laughs> enough to bring it up. The first aeon, I was the great spirit. In the second aeon, men knew me as the horned god, pangenitor, panthage. In the third aeon, I was the dark one, the devil. In the fourth aeon, men knew me not, for I am the hidden one. In the fifth aeon, I appear before you as Baphomet, the god before all gods who shall endure to the end of the earth. In this new aeon, I appear to you as C.M.N. Imagine that there is a brilliant white light just above is commentary on the magic art in the years of the primal form the dawn of terrestrial birth. Oh, that was very educational. Now magic will take place. Don't be fooled by what I just said. Welcome, welcome everyone. I am struggling mentally, Kennedy, and this is Chaos Magic News, the only podcast beaming directly to you from Sirius. Joining me this week is my catastrophic co-host, Captain Clark. How you doing, Clark? I'm doing great. I'm a, I was taken aback, struggling mentally. Wow, that was... That, you just that wasn't going to be it, yeah. but now I am. It just came to you in a, a sudden epiphany, right? Yeah. It got oh. beamed to you from, the, uh, from the, the little men around Sirius, right? Yep, yep, yep. Wait. Okay. Also joining us is a new face, but someone we've been palling around with in the Discord, so chill for the Discord. They're a writer, occultist, and monster enthusiast. This is T.S. Brookhouse. Hey, Brookhouse! <laughs> Hi, how are you? Uh, yeah, I, we buried the lead on that one because you already know exactly how we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I So for so. our opening discussion, Brooke was going to tell us how to milk a minotaur. For about 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm truly an amateur. I believe there's a, an author on Kindle. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, there's a whole book on the subject. So if you want to learn how to do that professionally, there's oh, this there's, person wait, wait, wait. who is ready to tell you all about there's it. There's people that are making money doing this? Oh, yeah, dude, that's the plot. It's like this girl needs a job. And unfortunately, she went to liberal arts college. So she she takes the job she can find. And that is the job she can find is Minotaur milking. Oh, boy. And she has a great time. Imagine being on that farm and it's like, God damn it. After, since this pandemic, no one wants to work. Who am I going to get to milk these these busty Minotaurs? Oh, man. <laughs> We've, we're like five minutes in, not even, and we're already getting into topics that we're not supposed to be talking about because I plan, I have a whole episode planned where we're going to bring Brooke back to talk about the storied history of monster fucking in the occult. But 
this week is the 23 episode, so we're going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> but that being said, we have to do the intro topic because that's the law. That's the law? Yeah. I, I'm fairly certain there was a there was an Egyptian book about this. I thought love was the love law. under will. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, was there? A, yeah, I, yeah, like, and that was 93, not 23. Uh, <laughs> we're we're getting our numbers mixed up. We're gonna right, have to backtrack. On, okay, episode over. We're gonna we're gonna start fresh. <laughs> no, we're just gonna wait till episode 93 and then make the same joke. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, now that'd be the long game. Shit. Well, closer than I mean, you think. Just Shoot. like all my gray hairs. Less okay, twenty episodes, less than a year. So three years, you'd probably be at about a. You'd probably be about a hundred. God, we got. We still have a minute. Anyway, it is the twenty-three episode. We are going to get into the uh, schizo trigger that is the twenty-three phenomena. But first, we wanted to have a discussion about the relationship of fiction and magic, particularly from the standpoint of writers, because Brooke is a writer among many other great things. Yeah, multi-talented yeah. creature over here. <laughs> I I feel like I should be talking myself up in this gap, and I'm just like, um, yes, I do, I write. do so many things. Nah, you're... <laughs> I, I make yep. words go, and sometimes I make art, and uh, I have really esoteric hobbies, and I cannot remember what any of them oh, are right man. now. <laughs> so... <sighs> See, that's the problem. When you say esoteric hobbies on an occult podcast, everyone's like, well, yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> I mean, true, true. Like, that's that's part of the point, right? You, I mean, there's plenty of occultists who are also working in STEM, but a lot of us are out here making funky paintings and hyper sigils out of our art. Well, so. OK, that gets us to the the. A, the, a big part of what we were talking about is hyper sigils because, you know, thanks to Grant Morrison, we've got that lovely term that everybody uses incorrectly 90% of the time. <laughs> but the, my meme the page is a hyper sigil. My mailbox is a hyper sigil. I glued all the sigils I ever made together and now it's a hyper sigil. I put a hyperlink on my website and it's dot sigil. So now that's a hyper sigil. Brooke, you got to give us one. <laughs> I'm trying to scrounge one up and I am just pressure, drawing blanks pressure, right now. Pressure. So I'm just going to let you guys <laughs> okay. go ahead and run with that one. I'm just going to watch right. you go. I guess the easy question would be what relationship has your writing and creative pursuits in general? How do they relate to your practice? Have you, have you done a hyper sigil? Have you have had a story that you wrote or something like that, that somehow played out in your life in a way that uh, seemed the, the act of writing this was the thing that brought this into manifestation. I feel like there's a couple questions that are actually at work there. Um, okay, so I have never written a hyper sigil. I have sincerely thought about it, but I feel like that's the sort of thing, like, when I commit to that, I want to have a proper plan in place. So I write about occult things, and actually the, the way occultism and writing have worked together for me is usually just me, like, taking notes and then regurgitating them into a blog format because that way it helps to solidify what I just read about. Because otherwise I will read something, it'll be really cool, and three weeks later I'll be like, fuck, what was it? I just, I swear to God, I read that book. What did I even <laughs> get out of it? It's how I help myself remember things. So a lot of my occult blog posting is just me 
taking notes and talking to myself and then presenting it like, hey, look, I did something that was ostensibly for other people to learn from. <laughs> no, it's it's really just personal review. That um, was me explaining Heidegger to people. <laughs> it's a very interesting variation of write shit down, huh? <laughs> you always always harp on yeah, that where it's like yeah. write down your results or write down what you're working on, that sort of thing. But it's like, all right, if I can do it as a blog, now theoretically at least, other people can get at it. Yeah, well, and like, you know, as I'm thinking about this, I'm remembering too, like I, I did martial arts for a few years and there's a certain point when you're taking martial arts classes where your instructors start going like, okay, go teach this to the, the lower belts. Oh, yeah. And so now all of a sudden you have to start thinking in terms of like, okay, I know how to do this, but do I know how to explain this? And it's that ability to explain it that demonstrates a level of mastery. If you're sitting there going like, no, 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 you, you gotta kick like this, like with your hips, do that. And like, if all you're doing is getting frustrated, trying to tell the seven-year-old how to kick properly, then you haven't mastered the material yourself. But if you are able to tell them like, okay, now turn your hips like this and notice what your heel is doing here. Okay, you're going to hurt yourself. So as you're spinning, you want to come up on your toes and lift and twist and land again. And, and you're basically explaining to them the, the mechanics and helping them work through it in smaller stages. So, you know, they, they can land a kick without twisting their knee. And I think it kind of it's a similar principle, like you learn your own mastery level when you can repeat the information to someone else in a way that they can then understand and extrapolate from. That is very interesting. Now, the one question that I have is, is it a good idea to teach seven year olds how to kick? Like, I, I feel like that's dangerous. Uh, that's a great way to mess up your You know, shin. it actually works really well as a way to, like, if you've got a kid with too much energy, putting them in martial arts is how to give them something to do to burn off the energy. They might still be a little monster about it, but... <laughs> it's how they get rid of that energy, but it's how you get rid of your shin bones because they're going to leave you a, a splintered mass on the ground. And you go, Timmy! Timmy, I shouldn't have signed you up for the Taekwondo. And they're like, it's too late. Yeah. Oh, my. I did narrowly miss getting kicked in the ankle once by one of the particular demon mm. children at the, the martial arts school that I was attending. Because, like, you know, the, the older people would also attend classes with the kids sometimes. There's, like, a, a the mixed age group, and then there was, like, the adult classes after that. So if you wanted more training time, that was how you did it. And, yeah, they're little monsters, but you love them. <laughs> so, you know, it's okay. You're going to end up with bruises once in a while, but it's fun. And, you know, it's, it's also kind of a masochistic practice anyway. If you really don't like pain, you probably shouldn't be doing martial arts. Okay, fair enough. You're right. No pain, no gain, all that stuff. Totally respect that. But you also mentioned the idea of, like, the old people taking classes with the little demon children. And that, that seems completely out of line because now little Timmy is going to do, like, a, a, a leaping spin kick and hit somebody who has, like, no calcium in their bones anymore because the osteoporosis has ravaged them. So you're, they're going to kick and they're going to collapse like Obi Wan when he what got is hit this with the lightsaber. Picture you have like, what is going on? Like, I don't here? think we had like 
anyone that old. Like usually the, the class instructor was pretty good at choosing <laughs> okay. their pairings. So, you know, it was, it was a little more controlled than that. It wasn't absolutely Oh, uh, yeah, chaos. it's Taekwondo Day down at the fucking retirement home. Like, no, dude, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Those people, their knees can't take Taekwondo anyway. Yeah. So I'm not so worried Ugh. about that. They're, they're the Tai Chi More class. like Taekwondo-don't. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I hate everything about this. <laughs> So writing in magic, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I mean, like the, the martial arts stuff is relevant just because like there does seem to be this thread of martial arts within occultism, too. And martial artists really like occultism. Um, but, you know, not today. I mean, subject, honestly, so. I I'll, I'll let the listeners in. Like I started this conversation by just telling everyone like, yeah, like we're kind of just going to meander through an intro topic. So this is fine. Honestly, we could keep talking about martial arts and just let everyone be like, wow, they went really off the rails. This one It's not too terribly far well, off. I don't think. No. But yeah. Well, yeah, this the is, idea of this is, martial arts is not fiction. <laughs> Are you sure? So. Martial arts is very real. Like, like, but Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best of both worlds. Like he's he's completely fake. And he knows completely fake martial arts. And he is, uh, he's written an entire false narrative of his life and himself. By doing that, his lie has become the truth. And everybody thinks he's like a, a super cool kung fu guy, but he's not. But he's got conviction, and that counts for something. And like we see this in magic too, where like if you intuitively feel that this is what you're supposed to be doing, even though it's not anywhere in the directions, then like you might be right. And all you really need to worry about is intent. <laughs> Are you going to bat for Steven Seagal? Wow. I, this, okay. All right. <laughs> I am stepping on a landmine. As doing. long as we all agree that his guitar playing skills are also fictional and that band <laughs> should have been a fever dream. Oh boy. No, but I, I, this is actually perfect. This totally relates to the idea, right? Um, the idea of fiction as being not true. I think it's Lacan. I'm not really sure where the fuck I picked this one up from, but someone came up with the idea essentially saying that like we live through fiction, right? We live through creating narrative and building stories and these sort of, again, what we would maybe in the, in the dichotomy of fiction versus nonfiction, we'd say, Oh, fiction isn't real, but not that fiction isn't real, but, fiction is all about the construction of narratives and that's sort of what we live through and that's what i think a lot of writing when it comes to occultism i mean again making a hyper sigil is sort of this idea of i'm going to come up with the pre-described narrative and i'm going to write it out and build it up and turn it into this big thing and then that is going to become my reality uh, yeah and when you apply that to the uh the more <laughs> what's the i'm trying to think of the word the the more systematized taking that that premise and then applying like magical or esoteric practices to it you can end up with something very interesting and i think a lot of that turns into the 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 sort of things we're building up that and the the way that we talked about last episode of that of creating these operating systems or these these pockets of uh the colonial being where you're building up that if you were attempting to at least building up that magician personality or building up this particular 
construct or character within yourself of like, this is who I'm trying to be. Like a really good example of this is the, our old hobby horse of Grant Morrison with the invisibles where it's like his entire point with that was that he, he described wanting to one, create a, a magical initiation in comic form. But also he said he was trying to sort of live this international man of mystery lifestyle and he makes a character that is basically him as this character becomes grant morrison grant morrison starts becoming king mob where he's like uh, he's traveling around the world and he's going to Kathmandu, and he's i uh put this character with this girl and i ended up with a girl that looked just like her and this that and the other and that actual ritualized use of uh of narrative and understanding what you're doing is forcing this narrative creates some very interesting things. I think it goes back to what um, Brookhouse was talking about too, this idea of when you're able to write something that's like an explanation, right? You know, the concepts you have floating around, it's, it's a lot of the same sort of thing, right? If you can get your ideas down on paper in a way that is, it's maybe not a narrative in the sense of like, literature but it's a narrative in the sense of like this is my this is my operating idea here and if i can write it out in a way that makes sense to me it becomes like concrete it it reinforces my own ability to be able to apply those ideas it's a lot of interesting thoughts here and i'm trying to figure out like how to just pick one and run with it (laughs) and like one of the it kind of relates to one of the questions you were asking earlier and i cannot remember your phrasing so i'm gonna butcher this a little but it ties in with this idea of like you know with the the hyper sigil the idea is you are constructing the reality you want and then putting it into action and for a lot of writers uh especially some of the the really good ones i'm obsessed with diana Wynne jones she is one of my all-time favorites she does things very beautifully but she also talks about how with a lot of her writing she starts from a concept and then just follows it to see where it goes Mm. and i think neil gaiman has said something along the lines of you know you write your first draft and then you go back and edit it and make it look like you did it on purpose oh yeah 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 i remember so yeah and so it's this idea that like you you let everything kind of fallout and then you go back through and then you pay attention i think my writing professor talked about this too to some extent you notice after the fact what your recurring theme is and what the the patterns are in your work and you know when you are writing professionally sometimes people will come up to you later and be like oh i really loved how you used this color as this signifier of this thing throughout the book you're I just like that. wow <laughs> i didn't even notice i did that and this speaks to something very true though because very frequently there is something in your own psyche that you don't notice you're putting into your work and sometimes this is like patterns of your own life the, the stuff that motivates you is the stuff you're going to talk about and that's you know jungian shadow stuff if it's not somewhere in your psyche, if it's not part of your shadow, if it's not part of you, it doesn't ping. It doesn't register. You don't notice it. But if it is, it's going to come up a lot. Yeah, no, that's actually that's perfect. Back to Lacan, my fucking uh, psychological dude, right? Um, Lacan has this idea of um, the fantasy, you know, in the Freudian sense of it. And he thinks that there's a... Um, a central fantasy in everyone's unconscious or in everyone's psyche, right? 
you know, there's a lot more complex ideas about like, oh, you shouldn't actually figure out what it is. Or if you do figure out what it is, it's going to be horrifying because you're going to realize that like your entire life is built around this really dumb thing. And like, this is what's motivating you. But at least in the confines of writing, that's something that I think we see, especially being able to like look back at someone's history as a writer, especially after they're, they're dead. Like if you look at like um Philip K. Dick, at the time, Dick was like, oh, yeah, I started writing stories like this. And then I started kind of going with stories like this. But if you look back from like the last thing he ever wrote to like the beginning, you actually see there's some pretty there's like a, a, an overall theme in his writing that has a lot to do with this idea. And, and he talked about it like towards the end of his death in an interview, I think, of the projection of psychic contents into the world and how we're all kind of overlapping. And that's why he gets so big on like authoritarian personalities because he starts seeing this idea of like what it is is it's someone projecting their world onto you and if they're strong enough they can get you to believe that sort of stuff and he goes all gnostic with it and everything like that but anyway the point being that like i i'm totally down with this idea that there's these overarching kind of ideas that play out in people's writings on an, an unconscious level yeah yeah and so like you can notice it and just like if you have a favorite author pay attention because they've probably got an idea that they tend to come back to, you know, certain narratives that they tend to rehash. It's, you know, in Diana Wynne Jones's work, very frequently it looks like people put in control of children who are kind of <laughs> shitty, like to be very reductive about it. And it's, it's not in every story, but it's in a number of them. And she's really good at catching that pattern. And it happens enough to the point where it's like, this is not, uh, a mere coincidence and either they're aware of the fact that they keep going back to this theme or there's something even more deep-seated that keeps them going back to this theme and i think in uh in her case specifically like you know she did have uh some rather neglectful upbringing like you know she she does allude to this in her own stuff and so it shows up but one of the really important things that she does i think is she she writes primarily for children and she writes for them in such a way that she kind of gives them clues on like if this is what you're dealing with this is a really good way to handle uh, it uh. and like telling them how to just like yes this sucks but if you work with it in this way you can get away from it it, it doesn't have to be forever it doesn't have mm -hmm. to rule your life so it's like dealing with it with an attitude of like progress in mind there are other writers who do not notice this pattern <laughs> in themselves and so stuff comes up in their writing and like it, it doesn't inform the writing well i'm not going to name names i'm going to be a good person <laughs> and not start calling out writers but like every time you are reading a work of fiction you are reading basically someone's beliefs about the world and some people you know alan moore talks about how you need to be very, very certain of your own beliefs in the world, but you also need to be able to get into the mind of someone who does not think like you or else your lack of empathy is going to show mm. and it's going to make for really bad writing. Like you, if you cannot just have someone be like this mindless villain because it weakens your writing, it weakens the impact of the story, and it just, it turns into, you know, goofy-ass superhero logic. Well, it's worse than that, too, because you're, you're, you're completely right about this, 
that it informs how people like this is how you people's writing like this is how they view the world and if you write characters like that it's because that's what you think other people are like oh yeah i mean if you if you yeah if you turn if, if you can look at at uh people who i guess for lack of a better word use that superhero logic right there's an incredibly black and white moral system the the people that are bad are bad because they uh they just want to be shit <laughs> that sort of thing and it's absolutely those kinds of stories if that's all you ever consume will totally rot your brain <laughs> you will there's the, it'll get in you and you'll literally think that people that disagree with my particular cultural interpretation of good and bad are are the devil you know it's like they're evil <laughs> Yeah, and then you go online and you tell people that art should not have politics <laughs> involved and that Star Wars is not a political oh, yeah. story. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll mention like one thing that because it, it's not necessarily a huge political thing, but it is like a funny thing that comes up as far as uh, not not a, a, a novelist or anything, but a, a, a film director and writer, Tarantino, right? Tarantino has a recurring thing with feet in a lot I mean, of that's, his, like that's that that's just a fetish though. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's he like, knows. You th- okay? Well, I guess maybe that'd be the argument. That Tarantino both, has set up a very full. complex. <laughs> Tarantino became an amazing director just so he could be like, I'm gonna get to see some feet see in high quality feet. for once. Some HD nubbins, man. But if, if Tarantino was born in like the modern age, like in the contemporary age, he never would have become a director because he would have just kept working at Blockbuster and spent all his money on feet picks. Oh, Krishna. But the, the point being that like that is an example of something that is definitely in there that contributes nothing to the narrative of any of his stories. It's just something that keeps going and keep happening. Well, it's like um, Bukowski. Every one of Bukowski's stories is like, I'm a piece of shit and I'm going to make myself look good by being a piece of shit. And it's like, I don't know if it was an unconscious thing or like an active constructing of a narrative sort of thing, but like, you know, and I love Bukowski. I don't mean to, to knock the man, you know, he's a, he's garbage, but he's a great fucking writer. But like all of Bukowski's stories are trying to glorify the fact that he's like human garbage and make him look cool while he's doing it. Like, even the moments where he looks pathetic and stupid and he's, like, you know, hung over and shit, he's still, like, the cool guy in the stories. Yeah, like, he's... all the men in Bukowski stories, except for, like, three of them, and they're usually other writers that he likes, they're all fucking morons, and he just actively makes them all look like idiots, and then, you know, we're not even going to get into how he writes women, but... But then, and, and, but it's also with the contrast of like a lot of the dudes that he's making fun of are people whose lives are not in like constant shambles because they're raging alcoholics, you know? It's like, man, that guy that has a, a, a halfway decent paying job and, uh, you know, a, a meaningful social relationships, what a fucking square. I'm going to go down to the racetrack and blow all of the money I have and then crack a bottle over somebody's head. Because we touched on it, and I think um, this will be a good place to sort of end the conversation. Back to uh, Wynn Jones, right? Where you're talking about the kind of um, the kind of blueprint that her books give to people in that situation, you know, specifically children. Um, that's like all of fiction, right? No. You don't think so? 
No, I would say that is not all of the fiction. I would say sometimes fiction is about catharsis. And it's, it's, you know, people go in and they are looking to, you know, fight their personal Goliath. You can tell when someone's getting a little vindictive about it. Tarantino's fun with (laughs) catharsis. Because, you know, he'll, he'll give you someone who's been a complete shitbird the entire story. There's, uh, what's the, oh, I can think of the movies that inspired it, but I can't remember the, the name of this movie. It's the one with the, the girls, and there's this guy who's just going through killing ladies, and then the ladies catch up with him. And they just, like, the movie ends with them just beating the ever-living shit out of him and him crying like a baby and begging them to stop and they don't (laughs) and that's catharsis like that is pure catharsis and he knows what he's doing and he just fucking leans in he doesn't care uh a lot of stephen king moments actually like he will show you someone being an asshole and then he will show you getting them absolutely destroyed by you know whatever the the thing is in the story, like thinking of Firestarter. Oh, yeah, mine, yeah. I, I went um, to Green Mile. I haven't read that one. I've gotten partway through Firestarter. I think it's present in a lot of the short fiction. Just like he will show you someone being awful and then he will rain extreme justice down upon them. And, you know, there's like occasionally moments, too, where it's just like, oh, well, that person deserved better than that. And... Then, like, okay, well, you know, they also kind of got their little payoff that makes things okay. Well, you know, it's an interesting thought in the idea of if we're if we are taking the notion of a story is letting you in on how the writer sees the world, it presents this idea that maybe maybe not that the world like we live in a, a just world where shit people are punished, but at the very least, there's uh presenting the idea that King thinks that's how things should be. It's like if you're an, if you're a shitty person, like something horrible should happen to you, you should get your comeuppance. And that says something. I mean, I think maybe that's like something that a lot of people would agree with. It's like, oh yeah, shitty people deserve to be punished, but it's not <laughs> Yeah, and I think if you're playing god of your own little private world, then you absolutely get to make that judgment call. And it's like, it's just the difference between like, are you writing it knowing that's what you're doing? Or are you writing it insisting that's how it should be? Mm-hmm. And like, you can feel a difference in tone when someone's lecturing you versus when someone's just like, look, I know the world doesn't work this way all the time, but I'm God right now. So this is how it's working. And it's it's a subtly mm. different vibe. Sometimes it's not so subtle, actually. Sometimes they get really aggressive with the, oh, well... They were having sex, and therefore they kind of a little bit deserved to get killed by this monster. Like, you know, you <laughs> you pick up on that. There's this whole thing of that in horror movies for a while. Oh, yeah. and It's, it's still, still there. But now it's, well, but now it's treated almost as, a, not quite as a joke, but we understand that it's like, it's a trope rather than a, a an actual moral assessment of like, oh, you're having sex, so you deserve to get fucked. It's just the idea of like the... Oh no, baby, what is you doing? You know if you have sex in the horror movie, you're going to get... <laughs> That's almost what I was getting at, right? Like, Because I think that there's a big difference between when writers are writing something and when people are consuming it, right? I think even in the sense of like the cathartic stories or like the formulaic, really simple, like, you know, like slasher flicks where, you know, you, you go in knowing what's going to happen already when people take in media like that, and I guess it feeds back towards the, um, 
the sort of problems of like superhero movies and stuff like that. I think it's a lot harder for people to separate knowing the formula and not and being able to just break away from being like, okay, yeah, but that's not how things work. It's sort of these ideas get impressed upon people through media in a way that they're unconscious of. And that's sort of the issue with cathartic stories in the same way. Right. Cause then it turns into like your, your primary drive in fantasy turns into like, Oh yeah, I wish I could just go fire starter on this motherfucker. Cause they're a horrible human being, but that's not how you get to operate in the real world. And whether that means you actually, you know, I'm not saying it's going to lead to you going fire starter on somebody, but it informs, it, it gives you a blueprint. It gives you a way to, make sense of what's going on in the world around you in a way. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. Well, you can also get people that will read a story and take away the entirely wrong message, you know, a la fight club or, or something else like, or, you know, American psycho. I'm not sure that's always fair because the fact is some people are idiots and some people don't have a firm grasp on how to consume or understand media in a, a, a way that is conducive to living in the world. So you can't always look at it and be like, oh, well, you know, people get this message from this story. And it's like, well, some, sometimes it's because they're idiots, you know? Well, yeah, but... Uh, bringing it highbrow here, Nabokov Ooh. absolutely fucking hated Humbert Humbert, who's the protagonist of Lolita. Mm-hmm. And there is a worrying amount of people who do not understand that Humbert Humbert is the villain of that story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Great. Like, even in the cover art that they use for that book, like consistently for some fucking reason, People insist on using little girls making faces at the cameras or just like, you know, body shots. And it's just like, no, <laughs> you guys, you totally missed it. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're supposed to be creeped out. And instead, the exact wrong people read that book and were like, see, this is what I'm talking about. This guy gets it. And it's like, oh, oh, he's telling on himself yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. That's I, I think that is uh, that's a very important thing, too. And, I, and maybe that we can bring we can bring full circle, too, is that in the same way that we're talking about, like narrative and storytelling can be used as tools of magic, as ways of bringing about a certain intent that doesn't translate to everything you write is an expression of something you're trying to bring to fruition. And it isn't. And it's also definitely isn't that everything somebody writes means that it's something that they approve of. Or something that they uh, think is good. <laughs> I, yeah, I, guess. Like, I think sometimes you're you're trying to comment on it, and you're trying to even contextualize it for yourself. You know, kind of like what I was saying with making blog posts about whatever I've been reading about recently. Sometimes people write fiction because they are trying to put into context for themselves, like what kind of person do you have to be to justify being someone like Humbert Humbert. It's it's a way of for your own sake, trying to organize the world. And sometimes the wrong people get hold of that material. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. But sadly, the the fact is once you write something and put it out there, it, in a, in a lot of ways, it doesn't belong to you anymore. So you just got to accept it's like, yeah, I well, think that's I tried the author. <laughs> I think that's what that's called. This is like every time I read yeah. about this, I forget what it is again. And so, you know, this is why I need to write a blog post about this clearly. 
but yeah, it's that concept. Like once you've released it into the world, you no longer get to control that narrative. You have to hope to God. You said everything you intended to say and made your point clear enough so that you don't get a bunch of gross people thinking that your villain is a hero. I would go a step further that because we live in a, a decidedly postmodern era, it doesn't matter what your original, it doesn't matter if you printed a manifesto on the back of the book that explained exactly what the hell you're talking about. People will willfully reinterpret a story in a way that makes sense to them for for their benefit. And I don't mean to make that sound skeevy, like, oh, everyone's got an agenda, but people will in- reinterpret things in a way that is useful or makes sense to them. Even if you tell them outright, that's not what it means. Yeah, and that is that is also a really valid point. It's just, you know, you can try to outline it as clearly as possible, but if this person comes from a fundamentally different worldview, they are going to reinterpret it according to their own purposes. You know, we were talking in the chat recently, someone was... Someone had gotten a screenshot, a screenshot of someone else saying that, oh, well, you know, the, the pride flag, they clearly inverted the chakras because they're corrupting the something or other. And it's like, no, the pride flag is arranged the way na- rainbows occur in nature. It's nothing to do with the chakra system, you absolute wingnut. But this person is so deep in their own belief system on how the world is supposed to work that literal fucking nature didn't occur to them first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They don't and, they uh, don't know nothing about nature. They don't go outside. <laughs> well, they don't know nothing about sh- they don't know nothing about chakras either. <laughs> if you if you use the rainbow system for the chakras, it's because you're a, a, a dumb Westerner hick. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a noogie right on your crown chakra. <laughs> All right, just because I'm curious now, and I, we can wrap it up with this one. What's the most magical book you ever read? Like, work of fiction. Oh, geez. I might have to come back to this one because I've had some really good ones. <laughs> you know, as a kind of surprise out of nowhere sorts of takes, there's this book called The Gargoyle. And I can remember the author's first name is Andrew. I think, like, I can see it across the room, but I cannot actually read the author's name and i've got a cat on my lap so obviously i am trapped um andrew davidson possibly possibly uh and it's about this guy who is just like the most like in the world and of the world crowley's interpretation of the devil just like here for a good time not a long time kind of person Mm. and it's the devil card from the tarot i don't know if that was obvious sorry most of my crowley exposure (laughs) is from the toth tarot uh so okay he's one of those types he gets into this absolutely horrific car accident you know, he had been doing porn, he had been doing lots of drugs, now he is trapped in a hospital, and the drugs he is on are the really good ones, but he's also, you know, burned over most of his body, his junk has been basically burned off, so no more porn for this guy. Yeesh. And this woman, he has never met in his life, shows up, and is just like, oh, it's good to see you again, I'm here to take care of you. And she explains this is not the first time this has happened. Over the course of their relationship, uh, basically, you know, he grows as a person. She tells him these stories that she's she, like, she's clearly schizophrenic. Like that, or that is the, the strong implication. I can't remember if he ever actually uses the word schizophrenic. But she's talking about past lives. And she talks about these 
ghost-like entities that she speaks to, she tells him their stories. And then, you know, later on, he's coming off of the, the good, good drugs, you know, going on this horrific internal trip as he's coming off. And, you know, it's this deep spiritual journey that's comparable to Dante going through the Inferno. It's a really beautiful story. Uh, and it's it's got some Christian components, but it's not really telling you, like, you need to believe in Christianity. It's just kind of like, this is the mythology we're working in. I don't see this book getting brought up a lot, but off the top of my head, of stuff that I can, like, scan the shelf and see clearly, this is one that strikes me immediately. It's like, that was actually not necessarily a cult, but there is a, a strong spiritual component to that which is really interesting. And, you know, showing someone growing from being very much in the world and of the world into this very, I, I would suggest, more spiritual person, this more spiritually in-tuned person. Like, his everything that he had used to value himself was taken away, and he had to find something else. So from that angle, that was really interesting. I guess it's less a cult than more on the, the mm. mystic side of things. But I no, have no, no, forgotten that's very interesting, every though. other book I have ever read in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that's fine. a good it's, one. It's, I, I'll have to it's read better this. Than Kennedy saying Moby Dick. So. <laughs> oh fuck you! Yeah, what were you gonna say, Moby Dick? Right? I was gonna say Moby Dick. <laughs> Arg! The white whale from hell's heart. I stab at thee. Why is he Popeye? Well, I was trying to do Mr. Krabs. Oh. Uh, but uh, my answer is uh, Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar. There you go. Excellent choice. Next segment. Excellent choice. <laughs> you just want to get to the news so bad. Uh. Well, you see, because he's hungry, and that's the, the, the spirit's yearning for fulfillment in the material world, right? And he becomes a chrysalis. No, and then no, he no, makes contact no. with the, the HGA and he comes <laughs> out enlightened and is symbolized by the butterfly wings, right? Like that's how no, this guys, works. No, no, guys, guys, <laughs> it's, it's the greatest magic of all that I learned from uh, the many great ascended masters. If you're hungry, eat. That's all there is to it. I was going to say food will fill the void inside you, but you know, I guess that <laughs> works too. There's, well, there's, there's actually a, a, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a cone or not, but it's a, it's, it's one of those little Buddhist stories where it's a, these students are discussing. It's like, oh, well, my master, he has such great self mastery that he can stay up for days without sleeping. And it's like, oh, well, my master has such great austerity that he's able to go days and days without eating. and. Then the, the other, they look at the, the Zen student, he says, well, my master's so great that he sleeps when he's tired and he eats when he's hungry. Yeah, that's one of them. But that was the reference there. I, I anyway. basically understood. I just have to be sassy, too. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it, it reminds me of my favorite sutra, though, in the, in the Pali Canon, where the Buddha is just telling Saraputra all the things he used to eat. He's just like, sorry, Putra, I used to live off of one grain of rice. And I know what you're thinking. The grains of rice must have been much bigger back then. But I promise you, they were the same size they are now. 
or maybe even smaller. And he does that for like 17 pages with every possible food you could imagine. It's just the best thing in the world because it I, I understand it has some, you know, it, it, it goes back to the oral tradition of the polycanon and all that good stuff. But what it reads like is that he's just really like it, it's like that guy that you knew in school that would just lie. And then when everyone was clearly thinking he was lying, would like double down on it. So imagine the Buddha talking about eating the KFC double down. Oh, my God. And then he's like, ah, sorry, Poocher, I know what you're thinking. They must have been much smaller. back. <laughs> OK, can uh, we. Can we get to the news? I feel like this has <laughs> been the best opening discussion we've ever had, but we are we're so far off the beaten trail now. Well, in that case, it is the usual and the most beloved segment of Chaos Magic News. It's the part where we ask, What's in What is in the news indeed? Oh no. Okay, you can go. Why are you like this? This is going to be a brisk episode, you know? Oh God. Okay, so what's in the news? <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what we got. Oh God, the, the news tab in the Discord's infected with Grimace still. <laughs> Grimace had a birthday. There, yeah, that's, it was, that's news. It, it was Grimace's birthday. Happy birthday, Grimace. Yeah. Don't try to make me care about mascots. I really got nothing about it. It's just it's it's a thing that happened and it it showed up in the news tab a lot. I mean, I love the Grimace memes though, honestly. That was that was a fun time. <laughs> well, uh in in tech news, Twitter is having a continual downward spiral where there was a big hubbub where it was like host limits. Oh yeah. So that was one thing. The um, threads has come out from uh, Mark Zuckerberg's meta people, which I guess they decided they weren't going to have a fist fight. Instead, he's going to try to just make a new Twitter and beat him at his own game or beat him at the game that he bought out from under other people. We're on threads. If anybody wants to get on the, the social media ground floor, Chaos Magic News is right there with you. I'm going to plug myself real quick, too. I also have threads, ts.brookhouse, if all you right, want to hang all out. Right. How Make do we sure all that... feel? Well, you know what? In fact, I just really have to ask co-host, because if you were on threads, you will see me and Brookhouse discussing how we feel about threads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hope that it's really successful because... We can, because that means that we're going to be early adopters, which means we'll probably have an easier time developing a following because Twitter's fucking difficult. Twitter, twi like Instagram, we're doing pretty great. Facebook, we're doing pretty great. Twitter, I might as well be chucking my post out in the goddamn road. It's like, you just, it's impossible to get people's attention on there. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad at it. It's because uh, Musk is putting us down in the algorithm. We're being suppressed by Elon because we talk all, all that shit about him. Not even a conspiracy theory. That's pretty much how it yeah. works now, unless you are doing something to pay his bills, which, by the way, is probably why we have post limits now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then he's not interested in promoting whatever it is that yeah. you're saying. Well, the 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 culmination leading to the the legal cage match that is going to happen between Zuckerberg and Elon 
there there's at least discussion. I don't know if the paperwork's been filed yet, but Threads is being sued by Elon or Twitter as a whole. So it's uh, that'll be interesting. Where it's like, hey, you stole. He, he took my idea. He took that idea I bought. Well, it's like it's <laughs> not even like I, he took my idea that I bought from somebody else. He he hired people that were working for me that I fired, <laughs> and they're not allowed to go tell him corporate secrets. And Meta's defense lawyer, or whatever, don't quote me on this. This is not official language. Um, someone representing Meta insists that, like, no, we don't have Twitter people on our engineering team, which is either they genuinely don't have Twitter people on their engineering team. I mean, when it comes down to it, Twitter made their stuff open source. It would not be that easy to copy, I'm fairly mm -hmm. certain. Um, but also, maybe they got hired but just aren't labeled as Threads engineers. That's oh, true. I'd love that. Like, I don't think that would be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I hate Zuckerberg and Meta, obviously, but, you know, I I can't help but get a little bit of joy out of the idea that, like, all these people got laid off and Zuckerberg was just like, hey, you, you want to get back at Elon? <laughs> yeah, come on to the winning team. <laughs> like, I will pay you as a consultant mm -hmm. for reasons unspecified, and I will give you a large sum of money so you can figure your shit out for a little while, and it'll just be tucked in the expenses somewhere where no one else is going to just notice. Just huge swaths of, like, list of people that were former Twitter employees and Zuckerberg and his legal counsel just being like, uh, no, they're a gardener. I swear <laughs> to God, man. <laughs> They're a gardener. I just happened to have a lot of lunches with. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I, I hired them to read my Twitter, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, no, no, no. I know it says threads, but they're, they're a seamstress. <laughs> they're fixing the holes in my gray T-shirts. It's cool. What else we got? Uh, um, well, the hottest day on record happened. That was pretty brutal. It would be brutal, <laughs> actually, if this wasn't like, a yearly occurrence now yeah just every year well yeah and wasn't it like we had a couple consecutive hottest days ever in a row yeah, yeah, yeah there mean, was like a week isn't... period where it was like this is the hottest one hey you know that thing like no no you're not seeing the same headline again well i mean you are but it's because it happened again folks uh this goes in nicely with the fact that the the white house talked about uh they're planning to move forward with uh geoengineering basically to try to maybe cool the planet off a little bit so it doesn't fucking kill us all which i think at this point is our best bet i think if there's any hope it's gonna be pumping chalk into the atmosphere or maybe everybody just like hold a mirror up outside or something like that like, i i think that is our only option there's no way that we are going to shift all of our huge consumptive habits over to sustainable methods, especially like even, even if the, the whole capitalism profit motivation thing wasn't a factor, I think we would still have a hard time getting our shit together. We're, we're probably best just trying to mitigate learning to live with the, the oncoming disasters and uh, doing whatever we can to make the planet as hospitable to us as possible and i'm not saying like oh don't do things to uh protect the environment but understand that 
paper straws are not going to save us. We've got a lot of too little, too yeah. late yeah. going yeah. on. And it's like, I, I can't remember what this report was called, but it came out in like the 70s about how, like, if we don't change our shit, it's going to look like this by 2020. And sure enough, <laughs> like that report was accurate. And we're not really talking about that as much as I feel we could. Uh, but I remember someone telling me, you know, back in like 2007, like, yeah, we're pretty much on schedule for this. So by 2020, we should be seeing fires like this. And yeah. Here we are. I remember being so stressed out about it at the time, but like it's such a slow, uh, no pun intended, a slow burn getting here that now it's just like, yeah, this is just part of the background radiation of daily life. Someone said to me the other day that America never fixes any of its problems. It just normalizes them. And I know it's not a specifically American problem, but like that's that's pretty much the biggest feel I get from climate change in general is that. We just keep seeing the terrible again. Like if you look at it, like from what we were living like 40, 50 years ago compared to now, you'd be like, oh, my God. But we've all been living through it. So we're like, eh, you know, just we're, I guess we're going to have a lot of smoky days. Yeah. 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 Like I, I sometimes try to like think back like, OK, you were an infant in the 80s. But surely if you think hard enough, you will remember what life was like years ago when it wasn't like this. But I don't know, I think I've moved around too much at this point to actually have clear context for what any individual place was like at any given point in time by now. Like, how much has it changed? I don't fucking know anymore. Well, two bits of hope, I guess, in the climate front, because um, Amazon deforestation in Brazil tro- drops uh, 34% in the first months under Lula. So, you know. That is really cool. Yeah, and um, I know... People, especially on the left, have very mixed feelings on Lula. I think Lula is better than anything we have in America, so I can't really talk much shit. Um, But that being said... But they're not perfect, so we better just stop. Yeah. That's the... that's. that's Let's just bring back Bolsonaro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just... I, I, I saw something the other day about burn it down accelerationist left people, and it's like being the colonial being... I understand that on one hand, like I get the idea that it's like, we're fucked. Might as well just trash the place and hopefully we can get to a solution quicker. But at the same time, when you say things like that, you ignore the fact that when you think like that, you are condemning a lot of people to unnecessary death. That's kind of the, the, the but uh, I do notice that there's the, the purity politics of like somebody has to hit every single check mark. <laughs> Otherwise, you might as well have elected, you know, Trump or Hitler or whoever you don't like. It's that evangelist mentality of just like, you know, if if you can point out to any reason that someone is impure, then, you know, shame on them, cast them out of the church. They are no longer allowed within these sacred halls. Like, no, we're going to have to accept that people are human. And it's it's really exciting to think that. And we can find the exact perfect person, but everyone's idea of what the exact perfect person is going to be is going to be different. And then at the at the end of oh, just, sorry, go on. No, it's fine. I'm talking just for the sake of hearing my voice. At this point. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that the, <laughs> the, the big thing, too, is that, uh, you know, maybe there is no perfect person, but I can point at somebody who got a 34 percent drop in the first six months of being in charge. So, uh. That's a that is a tangible gain. Yeah. 
Well, I think one of you was saying in the the last episode, um, was it uh, Cornell West is running for the presidency and someone else was castigating him because he agreed with something Ron DeSantis said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ron DeSantis, maybe he had a point on that one specific thing. Like if it turns now you're canceled again, as was mentioned in that episode, if it turns into constantly demanding that, you know, if this person is bad, then everything they say is bad and everything they agree with is bad, then we are not getting anywhere. Because listening back to that episode, trying to find uh, things to clip, I remember I I said something to the effect of if Trump said water is delicious and you should drink it. You know, you, you've got to be a brain dead moron to think that means you need to start rubbing salt on your gums and never drinking water again. But that's that is yeah. it's a hyperbolic example. But that is the mentality that some people carry is that if you agree with a, if you agree with somebody who is bad, it means that you're bad because they're a bad person. So therefore, everything they think is bad, you know. Yeah, it's, doesn't, it's doesn't superhero fucking said. morality shit. Yeah, it, We've been, we were just yep. talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but um, speaking of the Trumpster dumpster, <laughs> Trump went to a Dairy Queen, right? And oh, yeah. asked, what the hell is a blizzard? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, there, what, I don't understand that, like, Trump seems to have this very odd association with American fast food. Like, because he had the McDonald's thing where he bought like he bought a bunch of McDonald's for like a an NBA t- or an NFL team it was one of those No, it was like a high school team or something that won some big thing. Whatever. But yeah, it was some sports team. I don't I don't watch sports ball cuz I'm a dork, but the the point being that like he's got that and I I know there's a couple other examples that I'm probably not. I know he, it it supposedly he has like a a big thing about like eating hamburgers a lot and he loves him some diet cokes i also like a diet coke so i don't have any room to talk but uh but now like the blizzard thing but it's the opposite whether rather than being like yeah i know the secret <laughs> i know the secret menu for dairy queen i know all the i i know the hidden blizzards that you wouldn't even imagine instead it's what the hell is a blizzard which is like <laughs> That it's funny because it's like, oh, I guess he doesn't go to this particular restaurant very often. No corporate sponsorship involved. Yeah, there you go. That's what it is, is that he's not getting any kickbacks <laughs> from Dairy Queen. I'm um, a Shake Shack man. <laughs> but I, I do think it I do think it's funny that just because of the sort of media circus that follows him around, you do get silly stories like this. I mean, like, because this is the type of this is on the same level as like Obama's tan suit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like it, it is just finding something bizarre. But that's this is something I harp on a lot, actually, as far as politics is like anybody in the the quote unquote elite or the upper echelon. So like they have no idea what anyone's day to day life is. So it doesn't surprise me. He doesn't know what a blizzard is. He doesn't go. Even if he did, he probably doesn't know what it's called. He probably he has people that go to these restaurants and bring him food. He doesn't. You know, Trump doesn't wait in line at the DMV. Trump never had to had to get an Uber. You know, he doesn't have to he doesn't file his taxes like in in, in many senses of that word. He doesn't <laughs> file his taxes. You know, these are these are people and it's not just him, but like it's it's a lot, you know, but he's the, the person we're talking about. These are people that don't understand what the day to day life of an average schmuck is like in any sense. They don't 
No, they we don't live in the same world. So yeah, he doesn't know what a blizzard is. He also doesn't understand why anyone would need health care. Or what's the, remember the, the 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 joke that happened right towards the beginning of his uh foray into politics where he's talking about I got a small loan of a million dollars. You know, it's like that's the type of shit that you say when you don't understand anyone else's life. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just that's all you get. Do you want our now obligatory alien headline for the week? Oh, God, yes. Harvard professor believes he found fragments of alien technology. Well, fucking cool. But what does it do? Like, what makes him think it's alien tech? And is it awesome? Like, does it light up in a really special way? (laughs) Does it shoot a laser beam or does it cast to my Roku? Is it going to give us gravity on the moon? Like, that's the real important question. Like, apparently we have the technology for a lunar base, but we can't put people there. They, 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 we can't handle that kind of gravity. Uh, well, for the record, we've had a lunar base since uh, World War II. They just don't want you to know. Have you? Have you? You're so have you right. Heard of- you know, I think I've watched that episode of Inside <laughs> just, Job. Have you, have you heard of Alternative 3? No. What's Alternative 3? Look, they... Look, all right, uh, okay, we, we do not have time for this, but the point is... <laughs> That'll be the next time yeah, I am a guest we're gonna, on We're going to talk about monster, we're going to talk about monster milking, and we're going to talk about how they got a fucking Mars base <laughs> where they're stealing people and shipping them off into space to be slaves for the reptile people that live on Mars. And they, yeah. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> And this okay, is okay, David Ike. Uh, there's an anime. This is like a <laughs> 90s throwback. This might go back as far as the 80s, but there's three by three eyes. And I'm pretty sure this sounds vaguely like the plot for that, but it's been a long time since I watched that one. So I might be wrong. All right. Well, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we might actually talk about this at some point, actually, because it's, I think it's very interesting as, as far as, uh, in the same way that Illuminatus. And uh, the modern Illuminati conspiracies can be traced back to Discordianism and Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea being uh, jokey joke men sending letters into Playboy while they were working for Playboy. And now people just repeat their conspiracies. (laughs) Alternative three is actually the same thing where it was something that intentionally was made as like a, a, a weird hoax to screw with people. And now people unabashedly believe it what i tell you folks fiction it becomes your reality all right now speaking of conspiracies and uh i'm sorry you don't want to hear about the technology that was found from from space you you make your reptile joke and you're done (laughs) oh yeah oh oh, i'm sorry i forgot we were actually in the middle of the headlines still what somebody look what i'm gonna hear is somebody accidentally ran over a nokia and they just kicked it off to the side of the road, and some Harvard Yahoo found it, and he doesn't realize that it's just a lithium battery, and he licked it, and it burned his tongue, and he's like, aliens? <laughs> that definitely sounds like Harvard right there. That's, that's the level of science I anticipate from the Harvard Science Department. Uh, it's it's way fucking, it's super whack. It's um, um, basically a meteor hit the earth, and someone, they found a bunch of spherical objects that are made of iron and silicone and titanium and they're like they're way harder than any space rock we've seen before but 
you know, they don't light up like my sketchers. So how advanced can these aliens really be? Yeah, see, if it doesn't sparkle, it's just not that cool. Yep. <laughs> Glitter fixes everything. If you sprinkled a little like mica powder on there, at least <laughs> that would get somebody interested. That would get the crystal chicks interested, <laughs> if nothing else. Oh, oh man. Okay. Oh, uh, well, you know uh, what? We got one more headline that I can I can think of. You talked about spherical objects and Vegas has opened. Oh, a no. giant, a giant mm. sphere building, and it cost two point three billion dollars. And what's two point three? Twenty three. Bam! Oh, there you no. go. Oh, oh snap! snap. No. It was there the whole time, just waiting for you. Uh, um, my only thought is, why do you need a giant building that's like a sphere? Like, was this just? Uh, I I think I made the joke when we were talking about it initially. Uh, like, I think the the pondering the orb memes were going around and they were like, what if we just made a building like that? But it takes so long to get building permits and like, uh, you know, two point three billion dollars is a lot of money to to get together for that. So by the time they got it up, the, the memes aren't there anymore. It's so like, well, shit, we got to do something else. They're maybe hoping to reinvigorate the meme. They're going to make it. And I don't know. Is it they're working? They're going to paint it purple and say it's Grimace. Oh, there yeah, we go. I don't know. It's supposed to be like a. It's supposed to be a music venue, but like it. It. it I'm. I don't really have much to say about it other than the the two point three thing popped up, and I'm just. It's. It's just a big, circular building, which is like why, why'd you need that? But it's Vegas, so. We do what we must because we can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So the last uh, news segment is um gonna be a bit a long one, but. It, we, we brought Brookhouse on to explain it to all of you fine people. And I did my research on TikTok, so you know it's yeah! good. Look, look, look. <laughs> you're, you're legally not allowed to lie on TikTok. It's like, a, that's a fact. If they catch you lying, you go to liar's jail. And, yeah, the Chinese and, uh, Communist yeah. Party will come find you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're listening to you through the TikTok app. Unless you live in Montana, then they can't get to you. <laughs> Montana has a no extradition with the Chinese Communist Party, so you can do whatever you want. But the other, the drawback is you can't be on TikTok. Well, the drawback is that you have to be in Montana, Ooh. and that is. <laughs> well, what if I have to grow my dental floss crop? No diss, no diss. Like I'm, I'm sure Montana is fine. Actually, actually, the the Chuck Tingle book that I am reading, <laughs> Camp Damascus. Comes out on July 18th. It is currently July 9th. I have an ARC. It is set in Montana. So, you know, there's my excuse to name drop Chuck, Chuck Tingle this evening. <laughs> uh, his book is set in Montana and the book is very fun. So there you go, Montana. There is something working in your favor. Chuck Tingle likes you enough to write about you. Yeah. And if, if you were um, if you were lucky enough to be in our discord, you got to hear Brookhouse reading this. That's all of another reason that you should be in our Discord. Yes, because sometimes I randomly read things on the, the thing. Yeah, this is absolutely selling it here. Uh, anyway, we were talking. Bright side lake. We yeah. were talking about something. That, the name of this episode is just going to be, wait, we were talking about something else, isn't it? <laughs> Great title. No. So, um. Brookhouse, you just want to explain to us what happened or what is happening or what might be happening? Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. So, uh, someone on Facebook mentioned in a, a comment section for Chris DeSalvatore, I'm going to name drop him too because he's an occultist and an artist and he sells useful stuff if you're working magic. So Chris DeSalvatore, he's uh, Prismeta Magic on Oh uh, yeah, they used to be. What was their um, old name? They were Amon something? Amon DeSalvatron. Uh, Amon DeSalvatron, yeah. he's been around as that one too. That's how, that's how I knew them um, way back in the day. Either way, yeah. we love them, and yeah. friend of the show, Ben Beardsley, keeps telling me that I need to go interview them, so that's probably going to happen at some point. Anyway, we were talking about something yeah. else. So, <laughs> Yeah, so this is relevant because it was in the comments on one of his posts that someone happened to drop this mention of Britney Spears uh, not actually being free. <laughs> Like, so there's hashtag Britney is not free. And of course, you know, I'm looking at the screenshot like, oh, I got to go see what's up with this because I'm a snoop. <laughs> the idea is she was never actually quite released from the conservatorship. And technically, this is true. She kind of went from full on conservatorship to a, a lighter version of it where there's still kind of other people in control and I, I think the idea was it was to help her kind of transition out of having her life being controlled wait, by wait, other wait, people wait, wait. constantly. Wait, 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 did you say transition? Oh, no. DeSantis yes. said no to that. We're not allowed to talk about that. We're going to have to... Oh. Well, DeSantis can oh, okay. suck dick, whether it is a cis or trans <laughs> person's. I don't care. Okay, sorry. I, I just, I could... <laughs> Just gonna I, go hard with yeah, the incendiary remarks yeah, tonight. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I heard transition, <laughs> and I, I have like a goldfish brain, so I just say, like, "Hey, there's a, there's a joke you can make there." <laughs> there's a yeah, trans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's let's hop on yeah. this one. Trans. So rights. this this uh, tr uh conservatorship light is you know basically other people are kind of still in charge, but she's got a little more freedom. And since the last time that she was. In an institution, uh, things have gotten a little weird. And so there's you know, someone had noticed like there was this complete shift in the way she was typing. And it started around the time that she went into the, the institution. Institution might be the wrong word. I'm pretty sure it's correct. I honestly can't remember now. Um, again, I did my research on TikTok. Mm. <laughs> so but what, what, when you, you know, say there's, there's this tone shift there and. I was going to say, Sorry? but you're, when you say institution, you mean some sort of mental health facility. She got locked up and drugged. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, Wait, you don't, you don't know about the whole... <laughs> it is not... You didn't know about the this? free Britney stuff? This was like... No, 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 no. You're, oh, you're talking about back when, though. Like, you're, like... No, no, this is... There was a second time more recently in 2019. Lou Taylor's her... Uh, uh, you know, person representing her um, professionally. And so Lou has said that Brittany was fully on board with going in and Brittany has come out saying like, no, the fuck she didn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's some some nuance around that. Uh, there's there's a lot of inconsistent stories going around with all of this. This is made all the more entertaining because a lot of this is being fueled by people with some pretty intense parasocial relationships to Britney. So we're talking like conspiracy theorists who very sincerely believe 
that Brittany is hiding communiques in her Instagram posts <laughs> in hopes that they're going to read it and acknowledge like, oh, yes, she's definitely talking to us. <laughs> so like, so it's like making yeah. a post on Instagram. But if you take the first letter out of every paragraph, it spells out help me or something like that. No, it's oh, like more like they're hosting like I think it was like a, a live podcast recording or something they were doing this live i think on youtube there was you know some big group video chat thing they were doing and someone had said oh i hope she wears yellow tomorrow and then she wore yellow so clearly she is watching and paying attention oh. to what we're saying and doing uh yeah and see, there was another one that was really good where like britney had posted one video clip and the the people in this specific subset, it's this, uh, I don't want to name any names, but she's also a uh, mystery writer, I believe, and a conspiracy theorist and really big on Britney is not free. Mm. And she's very intense about this. It gives very much the impression that she sincerely believes that this is what is going on. And it gets weird. That's why now uh, is where it so, gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So she's noticing that Brittany has posted this video where she's dancing around in this you know, specific spinny way. And we'll talk about the dancing, too. And then she observes something about Brittany's hair, just like, you know, I, she's observing that this is clearly a clip from last year, I think. Like last summer, because and you can tell because she recognizes the outfit, the hairstyle and the nail polish job like sh these people are sitting and picking through each and every video and like tracking things like manicures, which is fair because when stuff goes up on social media, sometimes the timeline is very inconsistent, like. Uh, Brittany's husband will post a video and or a, a photo and make it sound like, oh yeah, we were just at the beach. But then the Brittany obsessives go like, uh, no, that's clearly a photo from this point, like six months ago, when you guys posted this video on this website, right? Or you know, or like it got posted to Instagram, but then this photo got posted somewhere else. Again, TikTok research. At the same time, uh, I didn't take thorough notes. Yeah. No, no. Well, uh, I just, and let me. I just have to say real quick. Part of the reason my notes are not as thorough as they could be is this gets really fucking depressing after mm. a while. Like there is a certain point. I was like, Jesus, this is. You, you hear the same spooky music used in the background. <laughs> or just like, ooh, it's not really Britney. <laughs> and like, it starts to wear on your psyche after a while. It's Britney, bitch. Okay, so things that they comment on are just like you know, there's the the. The speculation about what's going on. And so it's like, you know, Britney's being chemically restrained. So they're drugging her into compliance. Uh, they're, it's uh, Britney's relatives are trying to make her look bad so that they can control her. Because if she looks bad to the general public, more people will be like, oh no, she deserves a conservatorship. Right. Uh, and then we've also got, you know, Britney is either already dead or she's being driven to suicide by the, the treatment that she's being given or someone's going to stage her suicide. And this is, you know, another one of those spooky moments where like people in the comments will be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's about to happen. Something's like they're speculating on when they can actually expect to see the obituary if they don't assume she isn't already oh, dead. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not creepy or fucked up at all. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, right. Um, Because I'm old, obviously. Um, 
I remember another little, uh, it, it's not quite as similar because it, there wasn't, you know, obviously the Britney thing's been like a huge, huge thing. I, I remember hearing about it, like, is it back in like 2009 and people going nuts about it then? But for a long time, it was speculated that, um, a certain other celebrity, I guess maybe is the word I have to use here was, um, being controlled by their family and, um, was secretly dead possibly. Co-host, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Richard Simmons? Yeah, Richard Simmons! Oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I do remember that. And then, uh, hadn't been seen publicly for a long time, and they weren't, nobody could really get a hold of them, and they were, their family was really middlemanning everything, so there was, there was genuine concern that they were possibly dead, or perhaps they had, in their, they were suffering some sort of uh, mental impairment or cognitive impairment that would have them be easily taken advantage of. And uh, eventually, Richard Simmons actually came out and made a public statement. But of course, that only makes it worse because now they're now it's like, oh my God, what did they do to get him to say nothing's going on? They reanimated yeah. his yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, there is another thing if we're talking about the, the ideas of uh, that that lovely crossover of parasocial relationships along with conspiratorial thinking and how it manifests on the internet. There was, I don't remember the YouTuber's name, but essentially there was a similar thing going on where basically the, they thought that her boyfriend was being like abusive and overly controlling, that sort of thing. People would start putting things in the comments where it's like, if you're in danger, touch your nose in your next video or something like like stuff like that and there would be like just enough of like a hint of like oh that's that was her you know that wasn't just her touching her face she saw those comments and she touched her nose but she did it really slick so that her boyfriend who is posting the videos doesn't realize that that's what she you know like that sort of stuff yeah, and there's a lot of that happening with the Britney yeah. stuff, and that, too. And when you brought that, that's what it made me think of, where it was these, uh, these ideas of, of taking things that are, they have just enough wiggle room of deniability. Oh, she wore yellow. And it's like, well, what are the chances she wore yellow? Yellow is a very, you know, there's, the, there's basically seven colors and everything else, you know, you know like that's <laughs> that sort of thing. It's like there, there aren't that many colors. What are the chances she's wearing yellow in, in the next post? You know, that, that sort of thing where it's like, but if you're looking for justification, that's a hit, you know, that your alarms are going off. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, basically people getting together who are of like mind, who are now conferring with each other and confirming like, oh, that definitely happened. And it's like, maybe a couple of them, like there's there's I, I can't remember specifically which one it is but there are certain uh mental issues where like if you think the person in the tv is trying to communicate secret messages to you you might actually want to go talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist like that might be the better course of action but instead now we've got a bunch of people building up this parasocial relationship and justifying each other. Yeah. So like, is it groupthink or are all of these people genuinely believing Britney's talking to them through the yeah. machine? Shoot. It's like, it's the QAnon thing, you know, it's like, there's loads of examples of this sort of thing. So is, is there like, are there ideas of like, Oh, this wasn't a real Britney. This was AI Britney in this video. 
Oh, we're getting oh, there. Okay. Like, I, I have bullet oh, points. Okay, I, I took enough notes. <laughs> we'll keep going. Don't let us stop you. <laughs> okay, so there actually are some reasons to question what's going on here. And uh, one of those reasons is Lou Taylor, her representative, uh, who did try to take advantage of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana back in the day after he died. Uh, Courtney Love was on her own TikTok talking about this. Oh, wow. And gave a very Christian prayer for Lou Taylor's well-being and, you know, hoping that she would deal with her stuff. But like, yeah, she she mentions that Lou Taylor was trying to get control of that stuff away from Courtney and away from Frances, their daughter. Uh, So Lou has a pattern and it goes back quite a ways. Uh, She also represents Justin Bieber, whom Britney, air quotes, promoted on Instagram, she's she made a post saying, I just like this song, and then uses the eye roll emoji. Uh, and it's uh, it has come up elsewhere that Lou is trying to put Bieber into a conservative ship, conservatorship as oh, well. Oh, no. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, like, there's a pattern. There is a pattern. Uh, it might not be a super strong one, but this person does seem to like making bonus dollars off of the people that they work with, which, you know, I guess in that line of work, that's pretty much what the job is. So can you blame a snake for trying to bite you when you've been working with it very closely? I, guess? I mean, yeah, but uh, but yeah, so like there's this accusation that uh, Bieber's wife is trying to get into a position of having that kind of control in partnership with Lou Taylor. That is, you know, people suggesting things. There is not a lot of strong evidence as far as I'm aware. And, you know, she has profited off of Spears's conservatorship pretty well. Mm-hmm. Well, too. The, the goal would be then would be to get Bieber to have some sort of public mental breakdown and then have that happen, which uh, to my knowledge, it hasn't been anything nearly as dramatic as what Spears went through yet. Not yet, but yet. you know, we could see something like, yeah, I mean, conspiracy theory here. What if? If it does happen, though, that will it, it wouldn't make me like a true believer, but it would be that would that would give a lot of credence to this sort of sleazy behavior of like that. Yeah, this was probably manipulated. Yeah. And it's like I was talking with a friend recently for very different reasons about how, you know, if you are standing up to someone who is clearly being abusive and toxic and trying to use their power in really horrific and manipulative ways. And the only other people that are standing up on your side are people that they have targeted, but are also people who are morally gray, shall we say. It's really hard to feel like you're on the right side. That said, Kanye is also someone who has spoken out in favor of Britney and being like, no, she's being manipulated. You have no idea how many drugs they will put you on in an effort to mm. try to keep you compliant. Interesting, Oof. interesting, interesting. It's an incredibly tough situation to be in. Yeah. I'm in it every time I have to like talk about their Democrats doing something stupid and then Republicans would agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like, oh, fuck. I mean, I guess a broken clock is still right twice a day, right? If it's analog. <laughs> okay, and so... We, we go from Lou Taylor to Britney's dad being kind of a dick. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Britney's present worth, like her, her value, even if you're taking into account like property she owns and everything, it does not add up with the amount of money that she made. And her dad has allegedly spent 10 figures 
of her money, which is not specific, but definitely puts it at a billion plus. Like, that is a lot of money for Britney to just not have access to. It's worth noting that's been coming up lately that, oh, well, you know, Britney's still on the hook for these various things, you know, child support and whatever. You know, she needs to be making money somehow. She's running out of money because of how much she's spending. It's like, no, she's running out of money because someone stole all her fucking money. She was also ex- pretty damn young when she got her start and when she was like uh, an absolute powerhouse. Yeah. They literally had to make laws about not using your kid to make a whole bunch of money and then not giving them a goddamn cent. And it still happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened to Gary Coleman, right? Gary Coleman, uh, Will Wheaton, oh, yeah, Will actually Wheaton. also went through that, too. And it's just like they made these laws ages ago. It's and still then happening. It came right back around like they haven't updated the laws. They haven't made things, you know, consistent with the modern world. So this is still happening and children are still being fucked over by their parents' shitty yep. behavior. Uh, I would like to note, just as a, a personal thing, Brittany's parents are named Jamie and Lynn. And Brittany's younger sister is Jamie Lynn. <laughs> like, we know who the favorite is here. Like, this was the, the child. Either that or they're just like, shit, I don't know. We ran out of names already. Brittany was kind of the, the top we could think of. How fucked up is it that you, you just saddle your kid with both of your names? <laughs> like, right? what? Like, at least go to the grandparents yeah, first. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you, you shout either name in the house and someone's going to be confused. Um, well, co-host was actually named like that. Co-host father's name was co and co-host mother's name was host. <laughs> no, there we go. That's your second co-host no, joke. Co-host comes from Kohoskovich from the old country. And you trying to erase my uh, ethnic heritage is noted unappreciated. And I'm going to give you a noogie. Oh God. You're in yep. it now. You're done um, goofed. Okay, well, what else we got? Uh, see, okay, so, and also worth noting, Britney's Instagram is deeply inconsistent about Spears' relationship with her family and with God, which <laughs> is, you know, one of the things that is used as an argument that she's not actually fully in control. And during her court hearings, she mentioned that, you know, she doesn't believe in God anymore. Yet at the, the top of her, her Instagram profile, it has one of those, you know, like, pray every day type messages. I don't think that's exactly what it is. I can't remember what it is now, but like it is implying that she does pray and she, she does have that close relationship with God. And she has made Instagram posts implying that she does have a spiritual life, despite having stated quite plainly and well-documented, she doesn't believe. And it does come up periodically. She will make some allusion to being religious that isn't there. But apparently her younger sister, Jamie Lynn, is religious. So, okay, interesting. Which also brings us to AI and deepfakes. And the text on her posts, when run through an, through an AI generator detector, registers it as most likely AI generated. So... Who knows? Maybe she just types like a chatbot, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe there is reason to believe that someone's just like, oh, I don't know, just ask the chat thing to generate a bunch of random bullshit about dancing and we'll post that today. What okay. the actual fuck? <laughs> 
The thing is, is that people that have an exceeding amount of wealth on the line to keep up a charade will probably use whatever they can get their hands on. So the minute that they figured out, oh, you can just like pump out stuff as far as text and make it look like just generate yeah. post, uh, generate hell yeah. post, generate hell yeah. post, it's like, and just like just buckshot yeah. makes, across makes the, perfect, the socials. Perfect sense to me. On the other hand, right? If I yeah. got told that I type like a chat bot, I would be devastated. I <laughs> 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 would ruin my day. That would ruin my week. That would ruin my month. Like just. Well, I do think there actually is an argument here for Brittany intentionally choosing to use AI and deep fakes. Uh, just because, you know, if you are super famous and fucking tired, yeah. this is a really good way to work without actually. Well, working. and then the other thing, too, is it's like people talking about oh, it's very inconsistent beliefs expressed on the socials and such like that. It's like it could be very it could very well be that they have a social media person and then Brittany is also on it or they have multiple social media people or, you know, a common, any sort of combination or like somebody had it and then they got fired. And then, then somebody figured out they could use the chat bot and the chat bot talks about Jesus. You know, like that a, there's a bunch of explanations that are not conspiratorial. They're just sort of like silly. And yeah, it totally makes sense that if you don't give a shit and you're just looking at this as a brain dead content pump so that your silly followers will keep liking your post and keeping you engaged in an algorithm in the algorithm. Yeah. Why wouldn't you use it? You know, not everybody can be like, uh, like the good folks at CMN where we go in day in day out, creating top tier original content for you, the viewer. Some people just want to use like a, a clicky clicky bot and repost the same garbage that they posted two weeks ago. Well, and to be fair, Brittany does sometimes appear to be posting things from months before, but I'm not sure people are aware they're doing that. Or if they are, they don't realize how many people are watching and going, proof of conspiracy! Or me. Well, you know, there, there is one other possibility, too, is that, and this is something you always got to think about, you could make the hypothesis that... Britney Spears or Spears people or Spears family are aware that this is going on and now they are intentionally playing into it because it generates interaction and it keeps the hype going and it gets people talking and keeps eyes on Britney. That honestly would not surprise me. There's some... From a purely personal standpoint, there's just some oddness around her social media account. Like, it definitely looks like there there probably are multiple people at the wheel, and they do not actually know how to handle social media effectively. So, like, it sort of seems like they're trying to do this sort of, you know, intimate, like, oh, look, here's Brittany practicing her dancing, but she's clearly doing it for the camera mm -hmm. and usually someone who's doing their social media well like there's kind of like a, a wink wink nudge nudge feeling like of course i staged this but look it's cute and so like there's a, a quality control at work and it feels like here no one is doing quality control and that part is one of the things that gets me sometimes it's just like what yeah why did they think that was mm -hmm. Internet worthy. Yeah. What are we doing here, guys? 
the, it could be as simple as the, the Peter principle, you know, never assume malice when incompetence will do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like really the worst crime here is probably just social media incompetence. If she really is starting to struggle with, you know, being able to pay for stuff, then maybe hiring someone who knows what they're doing with social media is outside the budget. And so it's whoever in the household was willing to volunteer and just like, I can handle Instagram. It's not yeah. that hard. Look, here's a chat. Well, bot. and then there's also the other, the added element of regardless uh, of what you think, to what extent people can argue, that's part of what the conservative ship argument was about is that Brittany has a certain level of, mental illness and that can create some odd behavior when you're because you don't know you know the the post that someone might make when they're having a manic high versus a depressive low or something like that just as an example i'm not a, i'm not 100 percent familiar with what her particular uh difficulties are but like just as an example no, no, you're right. Like, there actually is one post that gets brought up as evidence with the spooky music and everything, by the way. <laughs> We're going to cut the like, spooky music in wrong? right Something's now. Something's <laughs> wrong with Britney. They're, they're just trying to make her look bad on social media. That's the only reason they would post this. It's like, yeah, and then other people chime in like, no, that's what a manic episode looks like. I've had those. I can identify that precisely for what yeah. it is. So she really might just sometimes be having manic episodes on camera and then going back to the uh the incompetence of social media nobody whoever is in charge of those socials isn't going you know what that doesn't need to be on here you know? <laughs> yeah it's like okay Brittany, do what you want i'm i'm you get to drive yep. tonight i'm just imagining like like a personal secretary type person getting handed a phone and be like it's not you gotta update the instant They're like uh, okay, okay sure chat gpt <laughs> britney post and then like a couple minutes later it's like jamie lynn you do it like uh, okay jesus and then britney's <laughs> like where's my phone and then she updates the instant I'm like no britney <laughs> nothing but ongoing chaos they've got a specific <laughs> phone for the social media stuff and when they don't put it in the safe yeah. at the end of the day Brittany gets her hands on it and she's gonna post whatever wacky shit she thinks yeah. of yeah they don't have a code on it or anything um okay so there is some i'm i'm oh, not done no, dude no, i'm almost done no almost no there. no keep going so, like, we have well, well, <laughs> we so have touched far, on the text. So posts, far, we've, we've been pretty but, grounded here, too, because it's like you'll you'll bring up something kind of crazy, like deep fake, like AI, AI stuff. And then it's like, well, there could be explanations. So bring your A game. This has got to be the craziest, well, like, right? Sometimes there's. Yeah. Like, and sometimes like, OK, well, this seems fairly innocuous. And then once in a while, there'll be something that's just like, oh, OK, no, that's actually getting a little mm -hmm. weird. Uh, so some videos appear to use deep fake content. You know, her tattoos don't move quite consistently on her body. Uh, you know, she's she's definitely got a green screen dress. Like it is the exact hex code color that you would need for that. And you know, stuff in the background will appear and disappear. You know, flowers that were somewhere in the background will suddenly not be there anymore or the 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 scenery that she appears to be in is just a little too still. Whoa. Um, and so you know, that, that sends up some flags just like, okay, that's a photo and not actually where she is. And her husband does actually have a green screen studio in the house and he uses 
Evercoast Mavericks Software, which is the company that specializes in volumetric recording and hologram generating. So they can make it look, they, they can you know, document your movements and make it look like you are standing somewhere you are very definitely not. There's even a clip of him demonstrating that he's made a little digital doll of himself that he can make to move that in a way that looks like him. So they have the tech right there in the fucking house. Like, it's, it's actually not that much of a leap to think that they are using deepfake tech to make it look like Britney is dancing in whatever room or backyard they feel like generating her into. Uh, and allegedly, her dad at some point had some kind of motion capture rights and, you know, like basically digital rights to her image. Um, so, you know, he could make her dance without her actually needing to be there. I saw this mentioned in one video, and it was before I figured out how to use the, the save video to specific collection function, because I'm clearly very good at TikTok, too. <laughs> so cannot find this video again but it was it had a screenshot of an article and good luck trying to google for this well i i can say that hearing that actually got a little bit of chills now maybe it's because it's like 2 30 <laughs> in the morning where i'm at and uh i've i've said this before actually is that when especially when i was younger i act i had to be very careful about reading too deep into conspiracy stuff because i was very I think just by the sheer volume of like, I would start looking at it going, oh, this is funny and this is entertaining or whatever. And then by the end of it, I'd have moments where it's like, wait, is, is NASA lying? Is the earth flat? <laughs> and then I'd have to actually stop and like deep pro. So maybe it's just some of that coming back, but like, I'm getting a little, I'm feeling a little oogie right now where it's like, oh man, maybe they. Yeah. And so this is exactly why this rabbit hole is such a fucking problem for me is because like, this is not just like, oh, yeah, weirdos on the Internet. It's like, oh, oh, shit. The weirdos on the Internet might actually have a point. And it might it might not be nefarious. Like, I can also see why she might be very tired and doesn't want to perform anymore. There are um, articles that are titled <laughs> Britney declares she does not want to perform anymore. She she does not see herself performing ever again. That's from, I believe, September of last year. But then it's going to turn into, like, Britney Spears exists as, like, a deep fake amalgamation that gets projected on screens and fake videos get generated around. And then we have the, we have the exact opposite of, like, the, those Japanese, uh, what the hell, you, what do you call them? It's like Hasune Miku is one of them, whatever they're called. What's the word? Oh, what, the digital idols? vocaloid they, well yeah i guess vocaloid but like those digital pop idol thing we got the reverse where this was somebody who was real at some point and now nobody even knows where she is like she could be just in the basement who knows they got her locked up like one of the the okay the one thing i was holding my tongue on it because i felt kind of bad about saying it but like Maybe, maybe it's as simple as, like, Britney just stopped giving a fuck and, like, just let herself go, and now they got, like, the green screen Spanx <laughs> fucking suit, just so, like, and that's why her tattoos are all that fucked up. That wasn't where I thought you were gonna go at all. Like, and I feel bad for fighting. it. Like, I don't want to say that, but, like, maybe maybe it was, like, Britney's like, oh, they're, well, I'm definitely not gonna perform if I just eat Haagen-Dazs every fucking meal. They're not gonna let me go out on stage and, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> How do we fix this? Get the green screen spanks. I thought this was going to be like, uh, I was biting my tongue, but y'all are both idiots. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing. I. But no, maybe you may, you make a good point. Maybe there is, there, there could be all kinds. Like I said, it could be the exhaustion. It could be the overall unwillingness to perform like that or to, to keep up with these things. And everybody, and it could even be the, you know, the level of mental illness that makes it hard to happen. But it, it's that thing of like, just because Brittany doesn't want to do it doesn't mean it's going to stop because everybody's got their meal ticket attached to her. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And it, it's, it, it does sound like that was part of this process at some point. Again, cannot find the video again. For all I know, somebody deep faked all of that. I can see that being very likely. You know, especially, you know, Hollywood, of course, that's where they're they're pitching this, you know, digital clone technology really heavily. And they've been doing it for several yeah. years. I'm going to carry on just because there's a, a further point here to bring up. Um, see, a lot of the, the parasocializers have brought up questionable evidence of her being shopped into photos. And then sometimes some stuff where she's very obviously been shopped into photos. Like there's one that's floating around where she's just towering over Madonna, but the two of them are actually pretty close in height. Mm, interesting. Um, some of the, the photos from around the wedding also, there's another one where she and Madonna are hugging and then they're, they're leaning in for like a fake kiss. But this one person was pointing out, but just like, look, Look, Britney's re-wearing this outfit from last Christmas. And if you look right here, it almost looks like maybe someone photoshopped out the necklace that she was wearing. And the line on this finger is weird. And there's this weird wobble here. And just like the, the level of detail that this person is going into to examine these photos for the possibility that it's just a really good Photoshop. Like, maybe. Yeah. And then other times, like, yeah, definitely. Um, there have been a few times where Britney has reworn outfits or uh like you know it's either basically the same outfit or like just a, a couple things are swapped out or it is the same outfit and they're just like this is evidence I'm like well maybe she just wore the same outfit. You don't throw away, like it's really clothes. hard to no prove no no that. celebrities burn their clothes as soon as they're done with them they never wear an <laughs> outfit more than once as soon as they've been seen in public in it they cannot yeah, wear that's... it again unless you're uh, Dan Radcliffe, in which case you wear the exact same outfit every day for a month. So the paparazzi has to. Oh, yeah. off. I remember that. She has used body doubles before. Oh, shit. Um, and uh, there's there's uh, this one woman named uh, Pavie Valsa. I'm not sure if that's a username or if that's actually her name. Uh, she's a, a Britney impersonator and she moves a lot like Britney does in some of her more recent videos. So not much of a leap to think maybe this is one of the people that they've been using to body double in these videos to map Britney onto some. Oh yeah. Like that. Um, did you guys see the, uh, Tom Cruise impersonator guy that used the stuff to like make it, it replace his face with Tom Cruise essentially. I haven't heard of that one, but there is unreal Keanu and unreal Robert Pattinson. And like Pattinson's friends even messaged him like, dude, why the fuck are you doing these dork ass dances? And he's like, that's not me. It's a deep fake. His own friends can't tell the difference. Wow. And it's like if for him, this is real fucking weird. We're going to see more and more of that, too, as this technology becomes more and more common and easier to access. And I do wonder 
what we're going to, we're going to be living in a world where I think on one end, the ideas of like digital rights and like the rights to your likeness and this, that will probably come into play. It's like, it's going to be illegal to, if you get caught making a deep fake of somebody without their consent, you probably like, you'll go to court. Like that'll probably, that might be one avenue to try to keep things from going completely off the rails. But at the same time, it's going to be very hard to manage as it gets more and more likely. And you will probably see cases of celebrities who their entire social media is created by a bunch of guys that have uh, access to the deep fakes to make videos and then access to like they run all of your social. They run like 10 years of your social media posts through a machine and now they can just make social media posts for you. And now you do, now you can focus on, mm. uh, you know, going to the Dairy Queen. <laughs> Precisely. And just like outsource absolutely everything about your social media presence. So you don't even know who you are unless you're following yeah. yourself on well, social media. That's the thing is that, well, it'll, it'll also be the thing of like, no one is who they are. No one is actually the person they present on social media anyway. So who cares? Well, no, but then think about, cause we're already talking about the entertainment industry. Like how, how long till it turns into like, Oh yeah, I'm not an actor. I'm just a, um, a media model. They just put me in movies and they get someone else to do my voice or the AI does my voice. And all I do is collect the check and walk around. Well, it'll be even worse than that. It'll be like, it'll be the Vocaloid type thing where, no, we, we've created this person from an amalgamation of all sorts of uh, voices and pictures and AI generated whatever. And this is not a real person, but they're in your movie. And now you just have to you pay for a licensing. I keep having flashbacks to two anime in particular, which are kind of relevant to some of what we've been discussing. One of them is Neon Genesis Satoshi Kon's Perfect oh. Blue. <laughs> what? Oh, no. <laughs> Blessedly, no. I'm not going to be that weak tonight. Uh, what was it called? <laughs> Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue, which is, you know, the the pop idol she in this case is she's about to go solo and she's building up her career and her social media posts start going up without her posting it oh i know this and one. it's you know it's it's a deep yeah. nerd who is uh basically creating a version of her that he believes is real and you know of course it's satoshi Kon, so the whole fucking thing's a trip mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then there's key the metal idol which was an anime plus OVA from back in the early to mid nineties. And that one is instead of, you know, deep fake technology, we have very convincing robot technology. So the, the vocalist is controlling everything from, or she's a controlling the voice from inside a machine. But then there's like the, the thing that's actually performing on stage. And so at one point, she starts trying to be a little bit of a diva with the producer and he sends one of his goons and just eats the ever loving shit out of her. And she still has to perform and she can because all they need is for her voice to work. Absolutely brutal. Thank you for keeping it anime and not going Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, I guess an opportunity, but we're going to leave the Philip K. Dick <laughs> out of this for now. He already got a mention at the beginning of this. So, okay, and then we've got the teeth and the hands have come up specifically. But then there was also someone mentioning that I think this one was just like a throwaway comment somewhere of someone observing that Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears's face look very similar. Present day Jessica Simpson has clearly had work done. And so 
actually, I kind of suspect maybe some of this is that Brittany got a little work done and it shows. And so, like, maybe sometimes the deep fakes have actually been she's in recovery from getting her lips plumped or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But so we've got the teeth and this is like the evidence that everyone points to immediately when they think it's one of the stand ins, because if you look at photos of Britney's teeth from way back, she has perfect teeth. Like they have always been perfectly aligned, even when she was just starting out in her career. Uh, and these days, like one of her front teeth, like there's clearly gaps going on. And one of them is kind of twisted out at a little bit more of an angle. It just doesn't look like her teeth. There are some video clips where people are like, oh, if you look like that, the AI has edited out her bottom teeth entirely. Uh, and oh, you, you can tell this one's a fake because her mouth makes this exact movement. And you know, like they, they clip faces from one thing into another thing and overlay it. And it's the exact same face. But like to me, that one personally doesn't stand up because I have those gay guy friends who make the exact same smile in every photo. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's. And this is, it's probably not specific to gay men, but it is definitely gay men that I noticed this with. It's that, that wide smile and the, the tough teeth are very visible and the eyes are very big and bright. And it's, they, they look like they're at Disneyland and super hyped about it. And that's in every photo. If they have an opportunity to pose for the camera, that is their default face. So, you know, it would not surprise me if someone who has rehearsed their body movements a whole lot has a default face they make when they're performing. It is worth noting that the way she dances in front of the camera at home is nothing like how she dances on stage. And that is one of the things people also point to is just something about this doesn't look right. And this is why people think it's a deep fake. She doesn't move like Britney. And there are a couple workout videos, actually, that people have pointed to where they're like, you look at Britney in this one and you look at Britney in this one and you wouldn't think these are the same people. But I think actually, maybe possibly if you've put someone on enough lithium, the way they move might change. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's a fact. I think what this comes down to is yeah. that there are some fantastical and downright sinister implications of a lot of this. And then a lot of the more rational explanations are just kind of sad. Yeah. And this kind of brings me, I'll, I'll mention the hands real quick. Uh, someone has observed Six that fingers. in some videos, it doesn't look like Britney's hands, but it does look like Jamie Lynn's. Oh. So maybe sometimes Jamie Lynn is standing in as her sister and they're just projecting Britney's face onto her. However, the, the final points here, Britney is 41. And age will change a person. And maybe that means that her teeth are shifting in her mouth. Maybe she's, I don't know, got gum disease maybe or something. Maybe she took a and couple it's shots to the face. Physical changes there. Know? Well, yeah. And like, that's you know, one of the horrific thoughts. Like, maybe she got in a fight with somebody and that was the best they could do in putting that yeah, tooth back. Yeah, I hate to say it. I mean, they're, they're like, it sucks, but it's, it's hardly the end of the world, you know? And it's, it's something that, has, yeah, it's something yeah. that can happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, as we've discussed, she was pretty fucking heavily medicated. And so that might have had some consequences. Yeah, could have been that. Could have been a lot of different stuff could have happened when she went away to camp. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, just besides that, there's the fact that she is uh, supposedly bipolar. I believe that's that's what the assessment has been. So some of what we see on social media might just be 
part of her having an episode. But like one of the, the most unsettling things going through this is like as I was watching these videos, as I was you know reading these people or listening to these people talking about just like, look at this. This is the evidence right here that something is wrong. It's just like you find yourself scrutinizing a 41 year old woman's body and comparing it to when she was 16, 22, you know, different ages of her life. And just like having to step back and recognize she's changing with time and that's okay. Like, no, she doesn't look like she did when she was a teenager. Some of that probably is that she's gotten a little bit of work done. Right, right. There are some tells. But some of it is just, like, you do change as you age. And she's been through some shit. And that's going to take a toll on your physical appearance, Mm -hmm. too. And I think on a weird way, like... Because there is that thing of like, like I was talking about where you get down the rabbit hole and in a weird, the power of suggestion sort of way, I'm sure there's a certain level that you start seeing what people are describing and you can probably check yourself and be like, all right, you know, this is, this is still very much a stretch, but I, at least I can see what they're pointing at of like, this is what the issue is. But in a weird way, I think that the, uh, besides the whole deep fake and the weird uh, conservatorship stuff and like what her family may or may not be doing. The weirdos that are gathering around this conspiracy and pointing out like, look at the hands, look at the teeth, you know, uh, look at, look at her, her posture and how she's moving. These people that, that sort of hyper fixated scrutiny and then combined with like that sort of conspiratorial thinking and group think in a way is even creepier. Yeah. With this one, it's a, it's somebody who is a, a kind of a hyper celebrity, but imagine it could literally, that kind of mentality could pop up around so many different people and so many different things, and it's, it's a little unnerving. It really is, and I think, you know, a lot of it contributes to how insulated she is now, too. Like, you know, they, they kind of have to keep her away from it because no one's got the time to sit and scrutinize whether or not this is healthy for her. Yeah. So someone has to make judgment calls, and it means that, she does end up being very removed from everything. And that only makes a person weirder. So like, no matter how much of a a normal person is in there, normal being a very relative term, like who knows, who knows? She's kept very much in her own little bubble. And it's also worth noting that she has not been in control of her life basically ever. Like she went from being on the Disney channel as a kid to a massive pop star and then a lifetime original movie of an actual life and now she's on sci-fi <laughs> and I just, it's it's a oh. lot it's a lot there's a lot going on here in the same way that i was talking about trump earlier of like trump has no idea what the average schmuck lives like it's like britney has never had that opportunity either her entire world has always been this sort of insanity where she hasn't ever really had her hands completely on the wheel and that's kind of that, again that it's it sucks that as the, when you're if you're going fantastical this looks very sinister and if you're looking rationally it's just really sad it just really sucks she's you know 40 something years old but in a lot of ways her behavior reminds me very strongly of you know, a 20 something Someone 
probably in their early 20s. Like, how long has it been since, since, you know, she had any sort of control of her life? And she hasn't had any time to herself to grow as a person and to mature as a person. So, like, think of who you were when you were 19, 20 years old, and imagine being that person but piloting a 40-year-old body. No, you can't make me think of that. Oh, my joints would ache. (laughs) (laughs) Just made everybody uncomfortable. like, I think there's a lot of good reasons for her to seem kind of erratic. Uh, I think there's also enough evidence to suggest it's not always her. Yeah, the... Just like how Brittany herself has never been in sort of a position to run her own life, never been outside of this kind of insulated bubble of celebrity, really, you know, for most of her developed life. Her um, her family and the various people that run her are also people that have like never been, in, well, or at least haven't been in that, haven't been out of that situation in God knows how long, which makes me think that they would probably come up with an idea as crazy as let's deep fake Britney. Cause you know, normal people are going to be like, that's horrifying. I have read the Philip K Dick novels. I saw perfect blue. I'm not doing this. That's true. It's it's cult thing too, where it's just like you get this group of people around each other who are very insulated from the rest of the world around them. They're going to start to go to extremes that no one's checking them on. And it's going to get weird. And then you add the motivation of there is a lot of money on the line. Yeah. And money definitely brings out the best in people. (laughs) All the time. All the time. Gut feeling here. What is the likelihood that there's something sinister going on versus this is like just sort of sad, weird stuff going on? Where are we breaking down? Like 30 that it's something sinister, 70 that it's something just kind of sad and weird? Or like, what are the chances that there's like, a conspiracy to deep fake Britney Spears to keep the public in the uh, in the dark. Well, she did allegedly just get smacked in the face by some basketball dude. God bodyguard. damn it. And I she's... was I was waiting till we finished with this and I was going to spring that one on you. <laughs> Fuck. Well, and see, like, this is great, too, because there are other people who are just like, that wasn't Britney. She wasn't even really there. She was allegedly at dinner after this, but she wasn't even doing that. Have you read this police report? I have not read this police report. <laughs> I have, like, I only found out about this, like, very recently. And it was just like, I don't want to go any deeper into this. I have already gone farther than I should. This is going to make a great sci-fi story at some point. It's, it's going to be my perfect blue. <laughs> I just, I've, I haven't looked further other than to see that, you know, Brittany has spoken about it, but she's like, there seems to be a little bit of a double speak on what's happening with the story. Cause there's like a version posted as a screenshot. And then there's a version that's like underneath, I think a separate photo. And then there's like the, the video recording of the moment that it happens. And it's just, she goes up to the basketball player and she reaches out and she touches the back of his shirt and you see the guy next to him. He doesn't even turn and look. He just reaches back and, like, I'm not even sure it counts as a smack. I think he just sort of shoves her in the face. That's that's it, really. But apparently that was a body double or it was... Yeah, and she was... It was a body uh, double uh, and she uh, was at the Dairy hallucination. Queen. I don't yeah. know. It was a clone <laughs> exactly. and she was down getting see, a blizzard. She was actually getting dinner at the Dairy Queen yeah. at that Asking time. Asking what's a blizzard. So... <laughs> um... Well, 
my theory is that Britney was cloned in 2019 and the actual Britney has been on the Mars colony this whole time. Oh, oh. Oh, see, that's taking it a step further because there's one of the conspiracy theorists is just like, you know, the the Britney body doubles or the clones, if that's what you believe, you're allowed to think that. It's just like, whoa, oh, wow, this is hot. We're we're not even gonna bother picking a reality to align with. Everyone's free. Everyone's valid. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. (laughs) What you believe about Britney is just as valid as what I believe about Britney. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's... This is exactly why I should not have been watching all these videos at three o'clock in the morning, because you're absolutely right. This is not something that you watch when the sun is this far from you. Like, that's just, you need the light of God on you. (laughs) Oh. Pray every day. Uh. Oh my God. Well, holy shit. Okay, now my only other question is, where does the number 23 come up in all of this? Because you know it's going to be in there. It might be buried in the hex code, but well, I'm not when, sure. When we find it, we'll have to, we'll have to chop in a, uh, an addendum before this episode goes live. And it's like, I found it! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is the addendum we promised. So, unable to find any 23s in connection to Brittany, instead... Three days after recording this, we were treated to the wonderful sight of Miss Britney Spears posting on her Instagram the cover of a certain book, The Doctrine and Ritual of High Magic by Eliphias Levy. Later, in a description of one of her posts, she discussed telepathy. The AI videos have continued and the conspiracy only gets deeper. So, okay, explain 23 to me, because I am fairly ignorant. Like, I've seen it floating around. I've seen, you know, I've got all the occult friends on Facebook who are just, 23! They're very hyped, and I don't understand why, and at this point, I'm afraid to ask. But I'm asking now, here, in this intimate podcast. Well, (laughs) well, we're glad you asked! Uh, Do you want to start? Here, I'll, I'll give the the shortest version I possibly can, all right? 23 million years ago. Oh, God. The, no, the Nomu came down from Sirius. No, the 23 phenomena begins, as far as I can tell, with William S. Burroughs, where he was on a ship, like a little ferry boat, with a Captain Clark who commented that he had been sailing this boat for 23 years without an incident. And then that same day, the ship sank. The same day, Burroughs found a report of a plane that was Flight 23, also captained by a Clark that had crashed. So Burroughs began making uh, notable parallels with the number 23 uh, in Cities of the Red Knight and uh, a couple other works. He mentions the number quite prominently, the virus 23, uh, virus 23B, I believe, but a couple things like stuff like that. And then Robert Anton Wilson picked up on it very notably. He, uh, he discusses it in Cosmic Trigger, the idea being that the number 23 can be related to a lot of strange things. Uh, you have 23 pairs of chromosomes is a very easy one to point to um, off the top of my head. I don't, I don't remember, like there are some really good ones, but 
the number 23 showed up very prominently around him. And uh, in a lot of ways, uh, once you become aware of the number 23 as being related to a great many things, you will start seeing it in the same way that uh, if you spend a lot of time thinking about a yellow taxi cab, you will, you're far more likely to notice when a yellow taxi cab comes around. And that is the, that's the, the master who it makes the grass green, the idea of this sort of selective focus and metaprogramming of your reality. That is normally the fallback, but um, I think anybody who's dev- delved headfirst into this, generally like, well, you know, you understand on a certain level that's what it is, but then weird things start happening, and you're like, uh, this, is, this is a stretch to say that this is all just selective attention. It gets wrapped into discordianism with the law of fives, and the law of fives is another one of those things where it's actually very blatant because the idea is that the number five can be related to anything and everything depending on the intelligence and creativity of the person looking for it. And he relates the 23 phenomena because 23, two, three, that's a five. And five is the big number of discordianism. I'm trying to think of other people that have really delved with it. Like, but Arthur uh, Kostler, the Hungarian born author and journalist. He wrote about it in The Challenge of Chance, A Mass Experiment in Telepathy and Its Unexpected Outcome. He also writes about the phenomena. And interestingly enough, um, Kostler was granted a permanent residence in the U.S. because he was he was a member of the Communist Party at the time and big defection, yada, yada, yada. But um, the bill that was passed to give him permanent residence was uh, on August 23rd. Yeah. And then, well, and the other thing that I, I didn't mention because of the. I, it just sort of, I, I said it's in Cosmic Trigger, but one of the notable things is July 23rd, where Robert Allentown Wilson performed a ritual to attempt to gain knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, and he became convinced that he was in contact with intelligences that were in or around the Dog Star Sirius. So the whole Sirius cult uh, that goes through a lot of different cultures and a lot of different places. Our Discord. Yeah, and our Discord where we are working on the, a... Yeah, <laughs> we are people, working well, on a serious cult. <laughs> yeah, we're working on a, a, seri- uh, a very serious cult. But <laughs> the, uh, the serious star gets brought into the, the 23 Enigma sometimes, but I, I know there was a... If, if I remember correctly, there's like a notable hacker from some part of... Uh, Western Europe or Eastern Europe rather that he went down that rabbit hole of the 23 and they found like a copy of Illuminatus and his stuff. So he probably got it from Wilson, but they find him like he basically gets found dead in the woods covered in gasoline, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, Mysterious circumstances. There is the number 23, which is a Jim Carrey movie, which uh, is just bad. It's It's one of those that, like, I remember uh, trying to explain the 23 phenomena to some to a guy I worked with, and he just tried to talk to me about that movie. It's like, I bet you really like that movie. Like, I haven't actually seen it, and then I watched it, and it's just garbage. If anybody likes that movie, you know, there's no accounting for taste. I just think it's really stupid, and it doesn't really do much. It's just like, uh, this number shows up everywhere, and it does. I don't think it goes in. If I don't remember it going into notable details about the actual origins of the 23 phenomena 
But that's basically the that's the broad strokes. Uh, I well, there's a handful of more name dropping we could do here, I guess. If um, you, yeah, if you like, I was just giving the, John the big Forbes picture. Nash, the um, mathematician from A Beautiful Mind. If you guys remember that movie, oh, you know yeah. Ron Howard. Yeah, yeah, he was obsessed with the number twenty three for interesting reasons, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Psalm twenty three in the Bible. You know that that book that Brittany That's loves the Lord so much. Is my shepherd, I shall not watch. Yeah, it's, it's the watch. most quoted, pretty much <laughs> yeah. the most quoted psalm of all time. The Book of Psalms itself is the twenty third book in the Duray Rhymes uh, edition of the Bible. Um, of course, everyone who can do basic math knows that um, we have forty six chromosomes, so twenty three pairs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, twenty three and me. You know, is a very notable genetic testing and then i mean with the, we have a lot of the obvious ones too where people like throbbing gristle and um the klf who are you know discordian influenced people so it makes sense for them obviously yeah, burrows and discordian influence so their their uses of the 23 are far more intentional yeah 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 but uh the gorillas also apparently got down on it yeah yeah i'm reading dog's body by Diana Wynne Jones, just to tie this back oh, around yeah. to yeah. the beginning of the yeah. conversation. And uh, Sirius has been cast into the body of a dog, like the, the spirit of the star Sirius. has been cast into the body of a dog for a crime he didn't commit, and he's on Earth to find the Zoi. And if I have done my math correctly, if you add up the numerical value of the letter of the alphabet for Z-O-I... I was doing this in my head while a co-host was talking, so I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that adds up to 50. So there's our five. Yeah, yeah there's the five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the this <laughs> thing you're engaged in already is exactly what we're talking about, where you will start. And I, like, one of the notable things I do is that I find, uh, I find 23 adding up on uh, license plates a lot while I'm driving. <laughs> And it's just, it's part of that selective attention where if you notice it, if you're looking for it, you'll, you'll see it. It's just one of those things I pick up on, but it, at what, what we're, what we're talking about is like, as soon as you're aware of it, you're going to start noticing it. And then it becomes uh, uh, a confirmation bias feedback loop of like, you see it. And then the more you see it, the more you look for it. And the more you look for it, the more you see it, but you'll also, you know, how, uh, how many times does a coincidence happen before it stops being a coincidence, you know? And I think that, I think that's a, another big element of it where, uh, Wilson always talks about Wilson always talked about this story where somebody would, uh, say like, Hey, I figured out the, the, the 23 phenomena. As soon as they say, Oh, I got it figured out. Something weird will pop up as 23. And they're like, how the hell did you do that? Well, do you, uh, do, I, I know you don't, Brooke, but you got any good stories about the 23 phenomenon? Because I, I have a couple that I think are kind of funny. Just go, go with things. yours, because I know one in particular I, I was there for, and I think it was well, the funniest thing in the world, so. Okay, well, uh, one, one short one was, uh, I was explaining the 23 thing to somebody, and I, I, I said something to the effect of, like, you know, it's like, so 23 is kind of like a lucky number for me, or like an important number. And him being like, like a bro, I don't give a shit or, or just sort of like making a joke about it. He's like, yeah, 69 is my number. And then I just, I was like, well, you know, that's just 23 times three. Right. And he's paused for a second. He was like, oh shit, <laughs> you right. <laughs> um, 
And then another one where, again, I was, I explained it to somebody at work and they thought it was just the dumbest thing in the world. And they were, they were trying to, to prove me wrong. And they kept asking like, well, what's the, you know, how's this related to 23 and how's that related to 23 and how where's the 23 in there? And I'm like, and it, I, I just sort of like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I can't just drop of a hat relate everything to 23, but if you look, it's there, you know, that's the whole point. And then he was like, well, what's that? I, I think we were just like walking. There was a, there was a soda can and he was like, what's that can? And then I, I see it out of the corner of my eye and I already know. And I say, well, just go look. And of course it's a, it's a Dr. Pepper can that has a 23 very prominently on the can. And he got, <laughs> it was funny when it happened, he got mad. He picked the can up, kicked it. And there he was, just, you know, it's uh, I always think that's a very cute little story because he's just, he was so adamant that he, I, that I was, that I was wrong. And then I got like the softest of softballs to, to give him something to <laughs> shut up about where it's like, Hey, somebody was looking out for me. Coincidence collider was working. You know what? I don't have a good one, but I have a great one that I just realized as I looked into the corner of my screen. It's it's 2023. It's, um, it, oh my God. <laughs> no, it's um, it's the the date is seven nine twenty twenty three. Seven plus nine plus two plus zero plus two plus three. It's twenty three, folks. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yep. See, like, I yeah, just it's yeah. that's the problem with the twenty three phenomena, right? Because once it's, you know about it, then it turns into the game of your brain will figure out how to make it happen. And then once you stop believing in it again, it'll start happening to you. It's incredibly fucked. It's very auspicious. Yeah. It's yeah. One of those, this it, is going to be a, a absolute killer. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say in the, if we are talking about the idea of 23 as being a, uh, at least in part, a spirit of discordianism, this fact that this episode is all over the fucking place is probably a good thing. <laughs> oh, uh, a, another interesting element because it's so associated with discordianism. The, uh, the I Ching hexagram 23 is uh, things fall apart, which is often equated with like the tower card from the tarot and stuff like that. So uh, that's another 23 that's, you know, sort of loops the whole thing together again falling apart exactly is what's happening to this podcast and uh i have a copy of the invisibles on the wall behind me that is titled 23 things fall apart and in that issue you see uh the crucified frog which is a totem of sathagua which uh relates back to the frog thing that i've been dealing with but also relates back to the Sirius and the 23 and everything's connected. There you go. Oh yeah. No. And then what about the, the Kenneth Grant 23rd tarot card? That's the frog. Yeah. yeah. That is also has the frog on it. Yeah. And it also has a star because yeah, like again, we could just do this all fucking night, but we've gone way too long on the episode already. So yeah, it's just, it's a lot of, uh, it's, it's fun if you give yourself. So like, Anybody who hasn't heard of it, and, and, and Brooke, I, I'm, I'm serious, like, just wait till it plays out in some funny ways and you'll start seeing it and you'll be like, why the fuck did you guys tell me about this? <laughs> no, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> I think that's about all there is to say about the 23 phenomena. The best, the best part of it is really to just let the weird shit happen and see where it comes. So anybody who wasn't aware of it, now you are, and we're not sorry. 
There's always the theory that it's um who was it Colin Wilson that had the uh the brain parasite thing? The mind parasites. Yeah, the mind parasites. Or I guess William Burroughs well, sort of And the mind parasites were re- were referred to as the Sathagwas. Just Oh yeah, they back. were, weren't you? Fuck. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, but like just the idea or like like the William Burroughs um language is a virus sort of thing. It's one of those things that once you like you said, once you know about it, it's it'll just be there and you got to kind of deal with it. Um, well, on that note, because we've been going for God knows how long at this point. Two hours and 40 minutes. Fuck me. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Brookhouse. <laughs> Oh God, this has been a blast. Are you uh, kidding? Please. You guys don't even know. They they almost dipped on us. Like right when we started, like, hang on, I gotta go do something. And then they just like were like, uh, oh, they're not gonna come back, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. But after endless tangents and AI Britney and the 23 phenomenon, dogs talking and raining from the sky from Sirius. We're in desperate need of our palate cleanser. So, as always, because we have two people, I get to ask more than one person. How goes the work? I mean, I'm kind of still just doing the same thing. Clearly, I'm talking about frogs and Sathogwins and Sirius and uh, all that nonsense. So it's like mostly it's just that I'm uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to to time the beginning of the next uh, set of conjurations for Lieber K with the beginning of the serious working that we're going to be doing with the discord so that I'm jumping into the ceremonial section right as we're starting all of that. But to do that, I just want to make sure that I got some loose ends tied up on the last section, just, just to going back to some stuff that it's like, well, I got this to work, but uh, you know, one success is good. Five is better. So yeah, that's, that's really where I'm at, but I am, I'm, it's like, because I'm thinking about it and cause I'm focusing on, it, I'm noticing weird, little coincidence. So a lot of my, uh, my crazy is ratcheting up. Gotta love the crazy ratcheting up. You know, I, I have, I have been touched by the amount of people in our discord that like, I don't even know how we came up with this fucking idea. I think everyone was just joking about a serious cult. And then I was like, Hey, maybe, maybe we could actually do like, you know, a, a group working sort of thing. Well, somewhere in there, like, I definitely was just like, you guys better get in here or the, the congregation's going to run off and you're going to be scrambling to put together priest rooms. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to jump on ideas while they're hot, you know, yeah. otherwise somebody else will take it. Yeah. But and, and uh, I, I love how we're slowly becoming a lot of the things that we used to think were, were hokey. Because now we've got like a little, we've got a, a little group of people that we think are dope and we're trying to do a, we're trying to do group rituals now. And it's like, yeah. So, uh, for, I guess maybe we'll put a social media post up too, saying like, Hey, this is the, the working and all that stuff. If you want to be involved, you can hop in on the discord. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was willing well, to do this with people in the discord because I've been around most of them long enough to know that like, this is something well, that we could do now. together. The Discord's, the Discord's public. Anybody who waltzes in can can hop on. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I feel like it's still going to end up being like one core group of people who are actually participating. And then like maybe someone else is going to drift in. But until then, it's just going to be whoever actually is paying attention to what's going on here is just going to be sitting back watching like, OK, well, let's let's see what happens at least. <laughs> 
And if nothing happens, then we can just bag on them for being dorks. <laughs> That's the attitude I've had since I started they this podcast. Your, they just praying on our downfall, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> and you know what? As long as we have fun falling, mm. I really feel like that's the, the thing to take away from it. Like, it's, it's not about the ritual. It's about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I mean, maybe for you, I'm hoping that aliens from Sirius come, like, pay all my bills for me on this one i got some i got some demons that's also fair is that lyrans are those the aliens that come from sirius there's like lyrans or oh god I, I went down a rabbit hole on this at one point too and just like the, the different places that alien entities come from so you know you've got the the pleiadians from the pleiades and there's something that comes from the dog star as well but for some reason they look like lions and crows generally Oh. Interesting. I don't like, know this that's one. That's own whole separate rabbit well, hole. Well, because uh, like I was, I made the joke about the Numo earlier, but those are from the Dogon, and they're described as a, uh, uh, like amphibious and water dwelling. So, uh, you know, frogs. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brookhouse? How's the work going for you? Uh, the work has been very chill lately. Um. And there's it's, it's it's primarily been focused on just meditating and and is you know like getting kind of centered within myself because you know we went through this chaos of moving across the country like pretty literally uh back in tail end of December like we literally moved into the house on January 1st. Oh wow, that's rough. And yeah, and so like everything that built up into that was really nuts and really chaotic and it's just felt like i've spent the last roughly six months coming down off of that and so you know some of that has been like i was meditating through all of that and that helped me stay very grounded and now it's meditating through just finding center again finding balance being able to just like sit and not feel like i'm about to go into fight or flight over some nonsense just like no life is cool we live in a really pretty place and, you know, appreciating this. And so some of the work in the very recent past, you know, the, the last month and a half or so has been, you know, going around and getting in touch with the local environment and just kind of putting a sense of, I guess, spiritual roots into the place. I firmly believe that anytime you live somewhere, it's really important to find a way to connect with, I guess, the, the genius loci. Uh, the the spirit of the place that you're dwelling in, and so, you know, maybe that means don't fuck around too much when you're living in Appalachia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tends to get a little spooky out here, uh, and you know, it's it's not like I'm you know deep in the mountains or anything, but you know, it's where I am. It's a, a really beautiful spot, and you know, it's it's felt pretty benign actually. Uh, I was having dreams of like fucking grass spirits or something coming to hang out and just be like, hi, you said hello the other day and we're coming to, to return the greeting. And it's like, you're not in that kind of language, but that was kind of what it felt like. It was like I had put out feelers and they put feelers out back. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I'm also a massive fucking hippie about it, if that wasn't <laughs> obvious. So I'm just like, I'm going to go out in nature and vibe. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to connect with the land where I'm living. And I really do think 
any working you're going to do is going to be helped by figuring out how to work with that. And you know, this is also me being a massive Joseph Josephine McCarthy fan <laughs> who also talks about you know going out and connecting with land entities and honoring the land that you're in and recognizing that you know sometimes you know this is getting very broad but you know sometimes the land that you're in is badly damaged by human interference. Uh, this area was badly damaged by human interference, but it's kind of been given time to rest. So it's not as antagonistic as I think it probably would have rights to be. Very, very But yeah, that, that all sounds like way deeper and like, oh, she's out in the woods communing and you know, she's talking to the mushrooms and not in the psychedelic way. <laughs> and it's it's really not like that. It's more just like, you know, going and sitting outside and watching the fireflies and noticing when you hear weird scrabbling and just like, okay, was that a hint that it's time to go inside? That might be a hint it's time to go in. And we got all sorts of wildlife around and sometimes the smarter thing to do is not investigate because that's how you end up in a horror movie. You know, just doesn't matter if it, all it is is a deer. It's making weird rustling noises every time you kind of calm down. So go inside. Just it's a good night to go back. Well, inside. I mean, hey, like we like we said earlier, as long as you're not having sex, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, then. Ugh. Sure, my husband is going to have some things to say about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. No, that's really great. I have a lot of um. I have a lot of strong feelings towards land and the sort of, I don't know, I call it, you can call it spiritual connection to it, or you can call it just the vibe. I like a lot of things about Michigan, but I, I don't vibe with the land right. Mostly because I live in fucking Detroit, but you know, so I'm trying to commune with the land spirits and it's just like, help. I have a, I have bits of Ford Motor Company. Something, someone had mentioned something about uh, in certain parts of Detroit, you can see trees and things growing out of the building. Like it is actually looking kind of dystopian? Question mark. <laughs> like you know the 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 vision that is always presented in art of like societal collapse and nature reclaiming what mankind has wrought. Well, it. It is and it isn't because you see stuff like that, but then you see like right next to it is like a fucking McDonald's and low income <laughs> housing that is going to be torn down to not make condominiums because no one's going to buy one right there, but it's going to get torn the fuck down just so the trees don't have somewhere to grow out of, I guess. I don't fucking know. Ugh. Anyway, well, with that, I guess this has been Chaos Magic News. The only podcast to well, you know, you know what we made the like the completely AI generated and, and deep faked ones before. So the only podcast that is heavily promoted by parasocial conspiracy. Uh, as always, if you see the number twenty three anywhere, please hop on our Discord and tell everybody so they don't think we're making this shit up. <laughs> Report it to the proper authorities. <laughs> we are the proper authorities. I love uh, that. Can we that? <laughs> that's gonna be CMN merch. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, if we do eventually make merch, which long ways out from there, 
you could probably buy it at chaosmagicnews.com, where we'll also have articles, interviews, links to the pod, pretty much anything you could ever possibly want from us. We also have some dank, dank meme pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and threads. We coming for you, Elon. And um, that, no, the, that is what threads does not have memes. Threads has me shit posting with Brooke. We're gonna, well, we're going to solve that. <laughs> and if that isn't enough for you, we also have a discord where you can rub elbows with a lot of really great people like Brooke house. Like yeah. me. Uh, Brookie, you got anything you want to shill before we go? Uh, Shields, uh, Chuck Tingle's new book earlier, Camp Damascus. It's coming out July 18th. You should definitely check it out. Uh, it's about a conversion camp. Dun, dun, dun. If you don't know, Chuck Tingle is really big on the rainbow flag. So, right. you know, that's relevant to the conversation. What about your, what, uh, what about your blog? See, we, we mentioned... Uh, we can get there. I'm going to shill everybody uh, else first okay. just because everyone else is much cooler Aww. than me because they're, you know, getting shit done. Whereas I'm still over here like, Jesus Christ, can I just sit down and write more than 500 words at a time? Uh, let's see. Prismata Magic. We mentioned that one earlier. Uh, probably stuff I could think of. Uh, let's see. There's the book, The Gargoyle, that I went on a rant about fairly early on. Uh, and then, yeah, there is me, tsbrookhouse.com. I'm on threads as ts.brookhouse. Uh, I'm very inconsistent about how I use my blog or social media. So sometimes you'll get like a series of posts relatively close together and then nothing for like two months. But I'm pretty sure through either one of those things, you can find me doing something once in a while. I have ts.brookhouse as an Instagram as well. I write short book reviews about whatever I've been reading and have thought is worth shilling lately. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's where to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. This was amazing. You're welcome. It was, you're going to come back, right? We promise we won't go for like three hours again. We'd still have to talk about milking. Yeah. Even if that does take three hours, and by God, <laughs> we will take three hours to milk those fucking minotaurs dry. We've been milking this episode dry as well, so <laughs> we're experienced. Oh, God. <laughs> but this has been fantastic, and thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. This has been great. Uh, you are so welcome. I think that's just about it. So all that's left is, uh, Brookhouse, would you like the last word? No, you should have like given me a setup for this one, dude. I have nothing to say. 93, 93, 23, 34. I'm just gonna start throwing numbers out there. Something to stick. <laughs> Shit. Oh, fuck. Uh, All right, folks. Thank thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Have a great night. All right, is everybody ready? Like, no, uh, well, let me, let me just yeah. reiterate. Every time you give me shit about, like, my commitment to the show, I take something off of the socials. <laughs> I delete, or I, 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 or I find a follower and I insult them until they unsubscribe. Start actively sabotaging us whenever you start saying shit. So maybe just watch it. <laughs> <laughs>